Good evening and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our live weekly Q&A. Tonight we're fortunate enough to be speaking with Bear, the dog behavioralist. Bear will be picking who he thinks has asked the best question of the night and I'll win a bag of Enduro high energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. Hey Bear, how are you going? Good, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks for giving us your time tonight. It's all right. How was your day, buddy? Not too bad. What did you get up to today? Training a couple of dogs, uh, had a cat and dog mastiff mix, uh, that was a bit nervous of people and <clears throat> needed a bit of obedience and got through that. In one place too, I see you've got both your arms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bear, do you want to um, introduce yourself, where you're from, where you grew up, to our listeners uh, get to know a bit about you? Yeah, um, yeah, uh, well, I, I um, uh, grew up on, um, on a little farm uh in victoria originally and um then uh moved into town for a bit and then family moved overseas and uh, then hopped, hopped on the first plane and came back here came back here <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh, over here mate you met your lovely wife yeah Chantel. Lovely wife, yes. yeah and, uh, two young beautiful kids yeah yeah and uh, we opened up our dog training uh um business and uh we've been doing it ever since so yeah yeah beautiful um, what kind of breeds were you dealing with back over there? Uh, mainly Belgian Melanoirs, but um, Roddies, Dobermans, German Shepherds. Bit of everything. Yeah, but mainly mainly Belgian Melanoirs and yep. Dutch Shepherds. Dutch Shepherds and yep. Melanoirs, yeah. They're the majority of the working dogs they use over there. And they were yeah. all trained to go to combat? Yeah. Yep. Well, not all of them went, yep. but there were, there's a range of different jobs that we're trained to do, so mainly attack dogs. Um, but uh, lots of a variety of different types of attack dogs. So you've got um, dogs that are trained for house to house combat, mm -hmm. dogs that are trained for guerrilla warfare, um, border patrol, uh, riot dogs. Um, yeah, so there's uh, and and personal protection dogs, like security type dogs that were used for different events. And yeah, yeah, wow. Um, Talk about yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so you said you're in the kennels there with these particular dogs. What, um, and early, a bit earlier, we were talking to, over dinner there, a bit of yeah. like desensitizing pups, like stuff that we see a lot day yes. to day now. How did you guys go back then about like desensitizing them to different environments? Yeah, so um, from from pretty much get go, uh, I'd start with desensitizing first and foremost to, um, well, the smell of, uh, well, first to, to bomb proof them. Um, we'd start when they were very young um, with loud noises, um, even uh, just as they started to eat. Um, proper food, yep. um, we'd scatter the food all over the ground for the pups so they had to find every little bit and eat it yep. as they developed their nose. Um, we'd, 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 um, um, uh, we'd, we'd desensitise to loud noises, gunshots, the smell of gunpowder, um, even from when they were, you know, three weeks old. Um, and, and then we'd start their process of getting them comfortable with different terrains first. Um, getting them around um, in rocky rocky areas over different um, types of um, terrain. So we'll take them out in the bush in different areas and um, especially uh, playgrounds. They're a real yeah. good place for dogs. Um, kids so playgrounds. Kids playgrounds, yeah. yeah. Obviously when there's no kids. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, slides, ladders, bridges, all the different, um, you know, rungs, different things they've got to um, manoeuvre around and... Um, and and then we'd uh, when they were a bit older we'd take them into town get them comfortable get lots of people touching them get lots of people patting yeah. them get them super comfortable around people so that they don't we don't want them lunatics 
when I'm uh, yeah, trained for a specific job and being able to be comfortable with people. They've got to be um, where the, the essence of their job at the end of the day, a lot of these dogs are trained for house to house combat. They're trained to, um, they're, they're civilians in the houses a lot of the time. A lot of the time. And there might be a terrorist in the house um, and they're, they're bunkered down and they've got the, They've got civilians in there, yeah. And uh, there's hostages, and you've got to send a dog in. They've got to identify the threat, and so they've got to be comfortable with people so that they don't go for the wrong target. You yeah. Know? And so, um, uh, with a lot of training, they're taught to identify who's a civilian, who's a passive, and who's um, kind, a, kind of breaks down the stigma of <laughs> attack dogs. You don't want them around people and they've got to learn to hate people and everything else. Yeah, no, that, 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 a lot of, I see a lot of that these days and um, those dogs, um, it's just more people who aren't that experienced that mm. are trying to, that have learned how to basically um, decoy a dog or annoy him and enough <laughs> for them to bite them and yeah. start to go at him and they basically have turned that into the whole system on one foot. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, but uh, there's a lot more to it. Uh, just like, you know, working a sheepdog isn't about a dog running after sheep. Yeah. You know? They've got to know all the different jobs and when to work sheep and when not to work sheep. And, yeah. you know, and yeah. And, and we know that's a, a newfound passion of yours over the last couple of years. So we'll touch base on that a, a little bit later. I'm um, just thinking then and going back a step, how do you teach them to know which one is the threat? Yeah, so that's that's because that, that's really interesting. Like they're going, but not blind into these houses, I would imagine. Yeah. But they've never met any of the people before. How do they know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, who that's, the a, that's, is. that's a good that's a good question. And um, so really, they they're they're attacking the most aggressive individual in the room, basically. Yeah, that's really what they're um, usually. Um, you know, when someone is in a situation like that, um, or the, the terrorists, they're they're they're, they're, they're pumping with. Um, with testosterone and with you know um, adrenaline and with yeah. you know and everything is is and and um, we do lots and lots daily training with the dogs where you know and some dogs are, end up getting qualified to go out and others that aren't as wise about it mm -hmm. don't uh, they'll be used for other purposes and not so much a purpose like that more they'll be sent into a home without civilians. Uh, if someone's holed up in there or whatever it is, yeah. But but the dogs, um, that's really something that the dog um, gets good at by themselves in training. So we obviously don't practice with civilians, but when you're practicing with, um, <laughs> you know, this, you've got other soldiers, other decoy, you know, people who are um, dressed up as civilians and who act like civilians, and others who you know who act like and and you and um, we do lots of uh, mock scenarios where someone you know screams like they're fearful and. Another and 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 you know mox and I's where people someone's an aggressor and yep. being gruff and you know and we teach the dogs to identify which one would be the most likely yep. to be the yeah the to, one they yeah. need to stop. And obviously, yeah. you know when a dog's again and again hit the target again and again and doesn't miss, yeah, then yeah, then, then you know yeah. they're, they're, <laughs> they're suitable to work in the manager life. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of period? Like we mentioned about desensitizing pups and get them going. When, what kind of structure are you doing? Like you're doing a bit of obedience training, desensitizing them. Over what kind of period do, are you looking at? Like over two years to get a fully trained dog, or three years? Are we waiting for from to uh, mature in their head? Like what, what are we? So, doing so it really depends on the dog and the handler more than anything. But 
Um, like you'd be looking at around, well, the dogs get seasoned with time, but where a dog would be ready would be around probably around the two year to you know, 18 months, two years. But dogs start to go out, depending on the duties, they can start going out on duty quite early. So um, once they, uh, when they're very young, You'd, you'd start taking them out on duties even as a young pup. So soldiers do guard duty and do yep. all kinds of patrols and whatever it is. And you might take a seasoned dog that's already experienced and you might take a young dog with you to learn the job from a very young age. Um, when they're actively going to be used on their own, um, really would depend on, on when they're ready. And that could be generally around two years, yep. two and a half years. Yeah, and then they just get wiser as time goes by and better. Yeah, and yeah. also you'd have limited kennel space. So, what, are you looking for milestones within those two years where you go that dog's not going to be suitable? So let's move it on and bring in something else, or you yeah. just bear with them, or how well, does that work? Yeah, definitely, you're looking for milestones. Um, you'll be um, they're they they're, they're judged um, with a lot of scrutiny from from pretty much get go, and they're constantly being analysed and the dogs that aren't um, kept, aren't um, meeting the standards of the rest of the dogs in that litter or the expectation of that um, breeding so it really depends on the breeding as well so just just like with you know, the kelpies you might have a dog that their genetics they they might become a really amazing dog but will only mature by about two years old whereas another dog they mature a lot earlier mm -hmm. and and so depending on the breeding if there's been already a tried breeding before which there is a lot of um, tried breeding where you go okay that that's a good mix that one works real well that creates a real nice dog um, then then you'd obviously anticipate um, but lots of dogs drop off there's there's a lot of dogs that are being bred for that purpose um, constantly there might be um, you know 100 do uh, you know maybe 50 50 dogs bred a year you know and um, that's all right yeah keep going yeah there might be 50 50 dogs that are that are bred a year and um, most of them will drop off. There's only a very small percentage that actually make the cut. The rest of them might go to private security. They might go to, to um, first response teams. They might go um, and then uh, potentially even as pets um, mm -hmm. for people who either compete in dog sports or for, um, or, or just for, you know. So always find a purpose yeah, for them. Yeah, there's a purpose yeah, for each something to be different. Yeah. And, and what was your, you mentioned a couple of different breeds there. What was your, and I already noticed there's a song too, but what's your go-to breed for, for what you were doing there? Males, mainly. Yeah. I mean, I like Dutchies as well, but Dutch Shepherds, um, there's a bit of inconsistent breeding with them and it's a bit hard to tell what you're going to get. Yep. Um, some of them are absolutely amazing and unstoppable and others are a little bit busy in the head. And um, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of Dutch Shepherd breeders out there that, would um, you know swear by their breeding and yeah. you know um, uh, but when you're talking about breeding and quite a large number of dogs and the military works like a business they've got to be it's got to be cost effective yeah. they've got to hit the target each time and unknowns are not relied upon and so yeah males are really the primary um, dog that is used I was actually doing a, obviously, you know, we've got a Dutchie and a male here, and I was doing a bit of research there, and back, um, I think it was during the war, it actually became nearly illegal in some countries to breed dogs, um, and the Dutchies were near extinct, mm. so they actually had to inject the male back into the Dutchie. Yeah. Do you reckon that's where some of that inconsistency could have 
maybe coming. I, like, obviously, this is hypothetical. Right? Possibly, but um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure. But I believe that also in different countries, um, you know, like you said, the breeding pool, um, males have quite a large breeding pool all over the world. Yeah. Um, they're, they're a very um, well-used breed for... Um, for protection work and for, for lots of many other, you know, for, for tracking, for, for a lot of search and rescue, for, for lots of different things they're used and especially for dog sports. And and so there's a massive gene pool when it, when it comes to males, which means that you can create a lot more stability in the breed. Whereas, you know, with smaller gene pool, you're breeding and it might just be the country, maybe just over there, there wasn't a massive uh, gene pool or yeah, Dutchies right. and maybe in other countries there's, you know, a, a bigger gene pool and a much more stable type breed. Bit of hidden talent somewhere. Yeah. But no, but they were. The Dutchies that did perform, were that, that, that were easier to train, were amazing. They yeah. were incredible and some of them were a lot better than the males. But the, yeah, but the, yeah, but it was just hard to, yeah. to, to kind of rely on it. The reason I asked that is I was um, I was listening back to one of our dog talks the other day actually on the way down on a long drive and with Robert Cox and he said he'd love to see people do like a collie kelpie outcross mm. but the thing is you'd have to keep that line tight and he, he said you'd have to do it over a period of time to try and keep consistency and that's why I thought I'd ask that because you made that comment about yeah. the Dutchies there. and I've heard that plenty of other times right yeah like cause you have to develop a line to get consistency within a line. Because having an outcross got two totally different sets of genetics. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent for it to kind of balance out. Yeah, because you'll get you know a certain tendency of this one, that one, and some crossover tendencies that could potentially create you know quite a magnified yeah behaviour. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, and it yeah. might be something really amazing, or it might be something undesirable. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. No, it's a very interesting subject. Uh, it'd be yeah, but there are a lot of Dutchy male mixes these days in the dog sport industry. I've seen. People yeah. like to cross them. Yeah. Yeah. You get the, I've seen the, the gum tree ones there. Half Dutchies are the brindle ones. The males are the yellow ones. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a bit of uh, inconsistency. People, people, they'll breed Dutchies with males and they'll go, this one in the litter is a male and that one's a Dutchie. And you're like, you can't judge a breed by its, you know, appearance. By appearance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that one actually acts like a Dutchie. Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm sure a Dutch. I'm sure. I'm sure a judge at a at a, at a you know at who was judging standard, yeah. a breed standard judge would would look at that and go, yeah, that 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 have no comment. But <laughs> yeah. and and now um, we mentioned you, you're back home. Um, your beautiful wife, your two young kids. What do you? Well, I know, but for our listeners out there, mate, what do you do now? Uh, well, um, uh, well, I train. Dogs well, the name, living, the name gives it away, right? Dog, yes. Fair to dog behaviourist. Yes, so. so we uh, I train dogs for a living. Uh, mainly, um, we do. Uh, well, we're known for working with dogs with behavioural issues, mainly dogs that are aggressive to people or to other dogs, or a bit of both. Uh, dogs with um, other behavioural issues like self-destructive tendencies. Dogs yep. that attack themselves or or, um, uh, yeah, or, or, or spinning incessantly or other, you know, uh, undesirable behaviours. Yeah. And, uh, and we... Uh... You're always sorry, it's got a funny, funny yeah. message come through, we won't, uh, we won't go down that path, that's yeah. all right. That's all right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, so we, um, yeah, so they... Uh, um, yeah, so we, we, we work with uh, some some of them. We also work with um, uh, 
people just want to do high levels of obedience with their dogs. Uh, we do a little bit of uh, TV stuff that we've yep. just fallen into recently. And, um, That's right. Do you, want to, do you want to touch on that? Yeah, are, you allowed, are you allowed to touch on that? Or? Oh, yeah, you can. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, tell, tell, yeah. Us no, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> tell us about that, mate. Tell us about that, mate. Yeah, uh, so just recently we've uh, we've had a, um, our dogs have been in a couple of shows um, recently. One of them, Colin from Accounts. Yeah, Colin yeah. From Accounts, all the dogs in episode eight. Uh, yeah. Other than Colin. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're our dogs. Um, and uh, and then now a new movie that's been shot in Sydney called The Fall Guy. Uh, um, yeah, one of our dogs is. Is the main actor in that movie as well. Yeah, Kelpie, awesome. Mate, a, long, a long way away from your shepherds. Yeah, and she, uh, yeah, she, she, my son's Kelpie. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah awesome. Yeah. That's pretty. How'd you get into just the dog training here in Australia? Well, it was really kind of a bit of an accident. When I first came back to Australia, I didn't even know there was such a thing as civilian dog trainers. I didn't yep. know that people actually, you know, contacted people that are helping with their dog. Um, so I, um, I hadn't been in that area at all um there's more military dogs and whatever and uh <laughs> and um sorry that hair in my beard wasn't mine <laughs> yeah. i think i just got one of that tears in my drink there <laughs> sorry, sorry mate yeah, yeah, sorry right. you there. Oh, okay. i'm looking at your beautiful you know, beard you know lady D, I get, I get super distracted bro. what are you, what are you doing uh, what, what, what were we talking about? Um, you didn't know the dog trainers existed. Yeah, so, so I started school. doing a, a plumbing license um, and then I uh, thought I needed need a career. And uh, I was actually just, it was an accident. I was kind of walking through a park one day and uh, seeing someone with a dog and they were having a bit of trouble. And um, I approached him and offered him a hand and they told me to bugger off. And um, <laughs> I didn't. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I said, uh, well, basically, I said, you, you look like you're not winning there. Um, just give me one second here. You, you, you really can't get do any worse than you're doing right now. <laughs> um, give, give, give me that dog for one minute. Let me show you something. And he um, he liked what he saw and he said, yeah. and I said, give me a ring and I'll give you a hand on the weekend. Um, and uh, he gave me a ring and gave him a hand. And then one of his mates called me. And yeah. His mate, and then it kind of just started going a bit crazy. And yeah. So started charging money for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, charge money for it then. And I wasn't charging much at the time. Um, the clients, my clients these days knew how much I charged back then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, mortified, but uh, they uh, um, ended up, uh, yeah, so just started Screw. word of mouth, just went uh, out of control and we ended up doing 20 hours a weekend. I was doing 10 hours Saturday, 10 hours Sunday. Yeah. Um, back to back session, two hour back, two hours, uh, five sessions back to back, and um, yeah, and then I just had to make a choice: plumbing, dog training. <laughs> did you finish <laughs> your plumbing license? Finished my plumbing. Yeah. Did that, and along the way, and then when I finished up, I yeah, uh, yeah, got stopped doing it. Yeah, <laughs> also. Dog training. Yeah. And you mentioned there that one day someone took you under their wing, and then you come back here and you start an apprenticeship. Yeah. And you have what we deem as your own apprentice that's, that's come right. through the rank as well there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, the guy who, 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 who taught me, not only taught me about dog training, but taught me about myself and how to control myself. I had a lot of um, problems within myself. Uh, you know, I've been, I grew up in quite a bit of a violent home and, uh, and, <laughs> and, uh, and we, uh, 
and uh, and uh, had had a lot of uh, uh, a lack of trust in people and in authority and in, um, and uh, and yeah, had to had to get over those things and um, it taught me a lot about how to work on myself and part of really a lot of the stuff that I teach my clients about their dogs uh, is really stuff that I worked on with myself as well. Yeah. Um, it's not very different. I understand completely how the dogs are feeling, you know, and uh, walking around feeling, you know, in a self-preservational state and feeling like they're alone to deal with the world. And um, really a lot of what we do is teaching them that they're not alone and that they, they're part of a team, we raise their self-esteem by giving them a sense of purpose and all the rest of it. But, um, yeah, so so I've got now I repeat the cycle and, yep. yeah, I've got my own, my own apprentice who started working with me when he was uh, uh, almost 17 and, uh, he's 23 now and he's doing really well. Um, very proud of him. And, yeah, he's come a million miles and, you know, got a few grey hairs. <laughs> I remember him from school. So I went to yeah. school with him. And you remember that? Yep. He was a troublemaker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, very different now. 17, he was a bit wild. And yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's got himself under control. Yeah, very mature now and responsible. And, yeah. And do you find having um, a young fellow like him has made you a better trainer yourself? 100%. Well, yeah. in general, the best way to learn is to teach. Yeah. You, know, you, you get better every time you verbalise something or say it out loud. And sometimes giving someone else advice is the best advice you can give yourself. You yeah. know, you, but it's easier to give it to someone else. But then when you give it to someone else, you say it out loud and you go, hmm, maybe I should take that on board as well. Talking about when you've seen that person in the park and um, you're persistent, even though they want, didn't want your help, um, that story rings home with your own premise there, right? Oh, with Pat. With Pat, oh, yeah. because he didn't take, yeah, well, that's how he started with me. He was leaning on my car, picking up my kids from daycare, and he was outside leaning on my car. You know, and I told him, I came out to see this young fellow leaning on my car who was a bit disrespectful. Yep. And I said, get off my car. And he's, he said, you bear? I said, I am. And he said, I'm working for you. <laughs> and I told him, no, you're not. No job here. And he didn't really take no for an answer. Uh, I told him, I'm a one-man team. I don't do, you know, I don't want trouble. I'm not looking for someone to get, you know, it's going to be more chaos than good. It's going to take too long to teach you. I'm not interested. Go away. And he... Uh, he said, well, that's too bad because I'm working for you anyway, and he pretty much forced himself on me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I haven't regretted it, though, taking him on. That's, uh, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, I think that was a very good move. And we've had quite a few trainees on board since, and some of them have gone on um, gone on their way on their own journey and started their own stuff as well. Um, had a few, a Brazilian guy and some other China as well. There's been a couple that have um, that that trained with us for quite a while, a year or two, and they they've opened up their own businesses now. And yeah, they're doing really well, and uh, yeah, it's really nice to see that as well. To see other people growing and Evolve. expanding and evolving, and I like that they're teaching my system. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and are they still bouncing ideas off you? Occasionally, yeah. We know yeah. <laughs> you do frequently. <laughs> right. I said, I went <clears throat> frequently. Well, who's that? Myself, yeah. mate. Oh, you're not, you weren't my Chinese. No, no, no. It was still take a lot away from you. Yeah. You, know? you were quite qualified in your own right when I met you. Uh, um, I went and still learned plenty from you, and uh, I'm thankful for it every day. I've learned a lot from you as well. We all learn from each other, you know. And, and, and speaking yeah. of, how did you find yourself evolving? Because you obviously had to evolve 
let's uh some of the people we deal with are even now, yeah, different every now. Day, all the time but, the but from the pet owners back to the military style how did you have to change within yourself oh it was really hard um my attitude actually when i first started training and my wife will testify to this because she was <laughs> one of my first clients <laughs> never mixed business with pleasure they yeah, say yeah, right but, uh, I, 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 we started dating after i didn't see her for a good <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then I bumped into her actually in the street, and that's how we kind of rekindled our yeah, yeah, relationship. But, um, our first relationship was strictly business, and one of the things she said she actually loved about me was that, um, that I didn't, I didn't flirt with her at all, yeah, and I didn't, you know, didn't give any kind of intention other than dog chase said you were super strict, actually. So, I'm a little bit scared of you, <laughs> said to, said you were you were way too, you know militant about it and yep. that was my style when i first came very rigid very yep. militant i'd have my clients train a park bench before i ever let them touch their dog with a lead yeah. um, <laughs> and i made them do all the moves on a on a pole or on a bench you know and didn't let them train their dog at all i trained their dog and didn't let them touch it yeah and then yeah. then i'd make them march up and down <laughs> with their dog straighten your back up up your chest up you know and, they, and, I'd, and, and i was quite strict about it and my method now is just it's like i'm a different person even yeah. and the whole method i feel like i'm a different person to the person that i came back here as i was very serious yeah um and yeah and how about your relationship with dogs how did how did that change um well with, with the dogs um i feel uh well i've, I've uh, definitely um i soften up all the time um the the more time goes by the more tolerant i mean i mean i always mate i've never seen tolerant. anyone have a dog fall in love with them as quickly as you <laughs> all right so you've changed something yeah. <laughs> right. uh, no well, even then like even when i used to train dogs my you know there was a run and joke in the kennels there and they said don't let bear touch the dogs he'll make them more neurotic you know <laughs> they make him make him yeah, but that was um i don't know I, i've always connected with them even as a kid i connected with animals um uh of uh, the, I mean, I, I'm always getting, you know, um, learning more and being able to observe more and realizing more and more things with the dogs as time goes by, as you do. Um, um, and definitely, I'm sure my um, uh, my connection with the dogs has become has improved um, as the years go by. Um, but I've, I've always had a love before structure. Um, I always had that you know that some sort of a need to connect you know yeah. with an animal like like almost like a you know uh, you know a, yeah a strong need yeah. to kind of get in their head yeah you know and kind of build rapport and um yeah uh, but um yeah it's uh <laughs> yeah it, it gets better all the time but not only dogs i like i like it for me it's a challenge trying to connect with anything even chickens and, <laughs> yeah. geese, and geese i know the geese yeah. uh, did you know the geese are racist laura no 100 percent have witnessed this myself do you want to do you want to explain it Beth? Well, my, my great geese my your great geese in the gang wars <laughs> actually no i have seen Proper them yes wars. yes right? yeah. and even the the white geese. I think you're talking little... about racist towards people. No, no, racist Not amongst equal. themselves. Yeah. But even the the white geese with a little bit of grey couldn't hang out with the white geese. Yeah. The white geese no. would bash them. Yeah. Right. And they could only hang out with the black geese with the, the grey geese. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But there was one white goose that was part of the greys. Correct. He was part of the grey team. Yeah. Right. And he fought the whites. <laughs> yeah. 
But now we don't have them anymore. We only have the greys now. Only the greys now. Got rid of all the Got too noisy. Why are you too racist? But uh, you, you would never believe it. Like, yeah. that's how office I spent a lot of time yeah. with, with Bear. And, yeah, um, no, 100%. They, and if, if you introduced new grey geese, the greys would accept them straight away, same as the whites, except white. But if wow. you take grey in, they'll go, no, nah, that one's Isn't out. that unbelievable? And we've over, you know, numerous times we've bought, yeah. you know, bought and sold geese and yeah. they, they'd only accept their own kind. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Do you find that with dogs? Uh, no, not so much. Um, but when people do find, when people do say, so I do get people tell me that about dogs. Some people tell me my dog's a racist, he doesn't like German Shepherds or he yeah. doesn't like whatever. Or, now, or, or other people's nationalities. <laughs> you get that a fair bit here as well. That, that, that can happen as well. Yeah. But, um, but really, uh, more than anything, so it's sure. not a racist thing that they don't like a race because of some sort of political agenda or whatever. Yeah. But, Really, because they um, they've had a bad experience and they've just basically marked that yeah. whole breed. So let's say if a dog's had a bad experience with, let's say they've had a great deal of experience with German shepherds. You might have, let's say, let's say you have a you know a staffy and it hasn't, or let's say a kelpie, yeah. and it hasn't seen any German shepherds before, and then it met one German shepherd and got and it, monstered by yeah. it. You know, after that, it, and then it hasn't had a great deal of experience with German shepherds after that event. Then they go well. That breed of dog is bad, yeah. right? And they, in their mind, they're well, not bad. They're fearful of them. Yeah. They anticipate a potential negative outcome from a social encounter with that breed. You've said that a couple of times. Flew off your tongue. Million dollars. And they, um, yeah, and so they're now, you know, um, anticipating a negative outcome and and defaulting to a fight or flight state when they yeah. interact with them. Um, whereas if you have a dog that's had lots of interaction with German Shepherds and they've had bad ex- one bad experience with German Shepherds, they're not likely to mark Shepherds as a threat. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, so it really depends. And same with people. You know, if you have a dog that's had a bad experience, you know, with a certain type of people, then they might, um, they have, but they haven't had a great deal of positive experience with, you know, haven't been socialised as much, then they'll be, they could potentially market a certain type of yeah. people as well. And you might have dogs that were, that were in an abusive home and or not in an abusive home sorry we're in a home where well yeah well where the husband and wife maybe fought a lot yeah and and the and the dog was the wife's dog and she and they gravitated to the woman for security and the husband might have been a bit of a mean bugger didn't like dogs yeah and so the dog might decide that after that they don't like men but they like women yeah right or they trust women and don't trust men because men have been an aggressor in their world well some dogs the other way around they love men, don't like women because yeah. the woman didn't like them and didn't pay attention to them and didn't, you know, and so they gravitate towards blokes instead yeah. of shield. But, you, you know, you got, it really depends, you know, on what their experiences yeah. are. But, yeah. We're all a product of our nature and uh, nurture, right? Oh, 100%. And nurture is, at the end of the day, nature, and nature is nurture. Yeah. You know, really, at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, they're the same know, thing in a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you know, nature adapts itself to nurture and nurture Adapts, adapts itself to nature. Evolution is about nurture, mm. not about, you know, because, you know, environmental things are what changes creatures to evolve. Yeah. Right, which is nurture, changes nature to evolve. And nature changes um, yeah. as well to, to adapt to nurture. And, yeah, yeah. Really, at the end of the day, nurture is nature. Yeah. yeah. And talking about, like, reactive to some degree, Donna Lindley's asks, what steps do you take for dogs that are reactive to other dogs? Okay, so, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so usually when a dog is reactive and it can, so reactive, we'll discuss what that means, yep. reactive first. Yeah, so, sure. um, so a dog's got two sides of their brain. They've got a reactive brain and a responsive brain. 
The reactive side of the brand's job is to independently assess the environment for themselves using their senses and drive the sight, smell, sound, touch, prior experiences. That side of the brand's job is made to protect them when they're away from their pack and on their own. So the dog's got one program made for inter-pack communication, which is the responsive side of the brain. That side, is its job is to follow, trust and mimic, to synchronise, right, to follow, mimic, mirror the cues of another individual, to trust someone else's judgement. And the reactive side's uh, job is to make decisions for themselves so they shut down the responsive side, the interpack communication. They imagine in their, well, not imagine, but in their mind at that moment, they are on their own. They found themselves away from the pack and they've got to deal with life by themselves, which is why they become hypervigilant yep. and they start to assess and and and, and overreact as well. Yeah. And um, and so, that, yeah, and the responsive side of the job is to trust the kids of another individual. Now, when I've got a dog that, displays aggression so are we talking about aggression or flight well we can talk about all Both, yeah so, all so so there's four primary coping mechanisms in the reactive side of the brain um, that they use to deal with pressure fight flight avoidance victim fight mode confront the pressure move towards it try and create space by make, pushing and making the pressure move away biting snapping growling lunging um uh, making themselves larger, mock charging, etc. Yeah. Um, jaw popping. They'll use. Uh, they'll threaten, and they'll also um, actually act and bite or nip or whatever it is. So they'll try and make pressure move away or control it in a way so it stops. So it changes shape and stops. Stops acting like an active threat. Flight mode is where they say I'm uncomfortable. I'll move away. So that might be reversing, retreating, walking backwards, running in circular motions, casting in big wide arcs, or moving away from pressure. Right, uh, avoidance is staying in the pressure zone, pretending like it's not happening, stiffening up, looking sideways, staring at the ground, looking away, <laughs> ignoring vocal cues. Yeah, and victim mode, not <laughs> lying down, rolling over, acting like a victim. Right? Yeah, now I've said all this many times, <laughs> but um, you always talk quick, anyways. This isn't just different, yeah. so I'm, I'm, I love I'm it. Slow. <laughs> I'm slowing down, okay. I'm trying to pace myself, so but my, my hyperactive nature doesn't allow me to, but um, film a bit. Yeah, so, um, so they yeah so this this um so the reactive um yeah so so fight flight avoidance victim mode now generally when a dog is walked regularly mm -hmm. they're going to inevitably default to fight mode where they deal if they're insecure so we're, the reason why a dog fights another dog or tries to fight another dog is because they're insecure they're scared they anticipate a negative outcome from a close encounter with another dog yeah either breaking the ice with strangers or if they're fighting another dog in their pack then that's a different story but generally when what we're talking about here is dogs meeting other dogs and going into fight mode yeah. now the the reason why a dog will default to fight mode inevitably after a period of time rather than using flight or avoidance or victim mode or, is because they they're usually on a lead after one or two bad interactions yeah. um they their owners don't trust them don't want grief and so they'll put them on a piece of rope so they can control them and basically at this point the dog will um, will believe that they can't get away. After an, a number of encounters where they come into proximity with another dog, they try and move, they realise they're restrained, they feel pressure on the lead, whether it be a collar, a harness or, or a leash over their foot, it makes no difference, yeah. right? They, they feel trapped and uh, confined in some way and they say, well, I can't get away or I have to move towards the pressure and make it move away from me, so I'll go to fight mode in some way. At that point, the owners will move the dog away, the, the other people will move their dog away, etc. Pressure goes away, fight mode work, tick for fight mode, they'll keep doing it. Now, um, and this is why the dog will inevitably start to default to fight mode. And um, next time they see another dog, they'll say, well, why go to flight, why to go, go to avoidance victim mode, may as well just go straight to fight, it worked last time, yeah. I'll do that again. And each time they do it, it becomes more and more confirmed 
that this is a viable coping mechanism to deal with pressure. Move towards the pressure, make it move away. Now, um, all this bite mode, it comes from fixation first. So you'll notice that when you're, if, if a dog is nervous of another dog, the first thing they'll do is stare. They'll look at the other dog and they'll lock onto the other dog and they'll find it very difficult to walk away uh, or to look away. Yep. And even when you walk them away, they'll still stare. They'll turn their head backwards and try and stare at the other dog. The reason why they're doing this is because they're afraid. A lot of people mistake this behavior for dominant behavior. And they say, this dog is being dominant and that's why he's doing it. Um, now, really what they're doing is that they're afraid and they don't want to take their eyes off the target the same way that if someone suddenly came over here and started going, Ah, oh, shooting, yeah. shooting a few gunshots in the air, running around yeah. with a machete, and you know we go, you know, and we're all where'd he go? Yeah, where is he? We're all looking for. Where, where is that bloke? You know, we're all going to try and keep an eye out. We're going to stop this conversation. We won't be able to focus on this, and we'll start to we'll default to a reactive state where we become hypervigilant and start to to look for danger. And then we'll and then we'll want to stare at it or keep a keep a handle on where yeah. it is so that we don't get caught with our pants down, basically. Mm -hmm. And so we they don't want to get caught by surprise. And so they'll stare at it and they're also making sure it's not coming closer. Um, now, because of this fixation, fixation is where the dog stares at something and finds it very difficult to look away. Um, because of this fixation, they say, well, I can't look away from it. So if I look away now, something bad might happen. If I can't look away, I can't walk away. And if I can't walk away, I need to move towards it, make it move away from me. And that's the belief that the dog has, um, which is why they go to fight mode. The way that I'll... The way that I deal with this is the first thing I'll do, and, and generally what I find when a dog is walking on a leader goes to fight mode, they're not following on a slack lead behind their owners as well. Yeah. And um, uh, and and so now dogs don't have verbal communication. So the one who physically walk in front, they're the first to make contact with danger. Mm -hmm. And so if the dog is insecure, which means anticipate a negative outcome from social encounters, and which is where they'll default to that fight or flight state. And insecurity can come from a couple of different places. Number one, Bad experiences. They've had an interaction with another dog. They, they got into a fight. Something bad happened. They got worried. Now they're anticipating a negative outcome. Or they haven't had enough experience, haven't got enough data to be able to justify a definite positive outcome from social encounters because they haven't been socialised enough. Um, and even a dog that has had bad experiences, if they've had a lot of socialising to override that bad experience, and they'll look at it as a percentage thing and they'll go, well, I've had heaps of good experience. Yeah. There was only that one bad experience. Maybe, maybe they're not out to get me and yeah. they'll give the other dog the benefit of the doubt. Whereas if a dog hasn't had a great deal of positive experiences with other dogs, you know, where they've had a positive experience isn't having a lolly while having a bad experience. Let's make that clear, okay? <laughs> Eating treats while you're ha having a bad experience Doesn't does not it. create a positive experience, <laughs> yeah. okay? Yeah. Food does not create positive experiences, okay? Food is tasty. Mm -hmm. We all love food. But well, when, last time I got chased by a bull, I was extremely hungry, right? You, you were hungry. <laughs> I thought about food while I was getting chased across the paddock. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. You do is think about cheesecake. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, you're the cherry, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah. Positive experience for a dog is where they don't have to defend themselves and, and they have an experience and they don't have to defend themselves of nothing they don't get taken advantage of. Nothing bad happens. No one compromises them. Yeah. That constitutes them as a positive experience. So the way that I'd address this would be the first thing I do is, and what I usually find is that the dog doesn't have a great recall, but if they do, it's um, uh, it's a little bit optional. Even when they mm -hmm. say they have a bomb-proof recall, I'll go, all right, let him go now. And they'll go, oh, he won't come back. There's a dog there. And I'll go, well, that's a good, that, that, that might be a, a good start to recall. But <laughs> yeah. for me, recall means he comes even if the sky falls in around him. So recall's got to be practiced from, you know, from different scenarios, including under pressure. 
So distance, distraction, potential threat, instinct, drive, where yeah. they come from a high value um, and, and prioritise you over their own intention at that point or over their yeah. instinct uh, or their fear. Now, uh, the first thing I'd work on with the dog is teaching a dog how to follow before I even bring a dog out. I teach a dog first, well, before I follow, I teach a dog how to come when they're called. So first thing I want is two eyes. I'll teach a dog to give me their eyes and come to me um, when they're called from a distance without a dog. And I might use a long line for that. And when you uh, say their eyes, you want them to look you in the eye or yes, just at you? I want them to look me in the eyes yep. from a distance when they're coming towards me. Yeah. So if they're coming towards me and they're not looking at me, I won't let them catch me. Yeah, right. I'll run away again and I won't let them terminate that command. Yeah. So until they give me their eyes. So if they come to me with their head down, I'll run away again and won't let them actually finish the command. Yep. I'll go, no, nah, do it again, do it again, do it again. Then they go, oh, what's, what, what's wrong with this bloke? Yeah. And they'll look at me. And when they do, all right, you can catch me now. Yep. And I'll give them love and I'll give them sit there and I always, and I'll teach them. And that's how I start that process with them is to give me their eyes. And once they realise that, we do it three or four times, yeah. they start to anticipate giving me their eyes at the end. They start to look at me when I first call them. Yeah. Because they go, well, I'm going to look at you anyway. You may as well see where you are now. Yeah. And if I see them not looking at me, then I'll set them up and run somewhere else. Because if I, they're coming to me and they've got their head down, I might run on an angle in a different direction. So then I set them up and I go, well, you weren't looking. You don't know where I am. You think I'm going to let you catch me? you got to, you got to catch, you got to actually catch me. Don't, don't just kind of, you know, gauge where I am and then run to me sniffing the ground. Yeah. You're not going to know where I am. You yeah. Keep those eyes on me. So I run away again and I'll make sure that they look at me and I won't let them accomplish that command until they've actually um, done it. And that once they realize this, which starts taking very long, one or two, three times, they start to look at me and come towards me. When they're doing that, I'm also feeding the lead in towards me. And this is how I teach them. A lot of people, when they walk in their dogs, they hold the dog back. So they put the lead behind the dog's head and they pull pressure backwards. And this is one of the biggest reasons why their dogs fight other dogs. Mm -hmm. So just quickly before we go into that, so just as a basic outline for how I would address it, is when a dog's using it in their mouth, they're trying to push. They're saying, I'm going to fight the other dog and make the other dog move away. And the reason why they're doing that is because they feel vulnerable and they feel trapped. And they don't believe that when they're in danger, they can move away from the threat. And so what I um, want them to, want to convince them of is that whenever they're uncomfortable, they are, whenever they're feeling vulnerable, they can use their feet to get away from danger. They're not actually trapped. They're not, um, they're not vulnerable. They can control the situation. And instead of trying to control the other dog and make the other dog move, they can control their own body and move away. And the way I'll do that is I'll practice recall off another dog and I'll set up a mock scenario with another dog and I'll teach, I'll bring another dog out and uh, the owners will tell me the dog's either nervous of little dogs or big dogs today. I had a dog, the cattle dog mix that I had today. <clears throat> no problem with smaller dogs than him, but didn't like dogs, but was scared of, intimidated by dogs larger than him. Yeah. The, the owner said to me, he's very dominant, he doesn't like larger dogs. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> if he was dominant, then he would try and dominate smaller dogs. Yeah. If he's fine with smaller dogs, he's not a bully. Right? He's not trying to dominate. He's not trying to make himself bigger by making someone else smaller. He's having a go at dogs that he feels afraid of, intimidated by, by right? Yep. That's not dominant. Yeah. That's that's a dog that's insecure, Yeah. right? Now, he might be using a dominant app, a dominant program, you know, a confrontational program, but dominance in itself is just means ranking, status, job, position or responsibility level dominating is a behavior that you do where you put someone else down to make yourself feel bigger right but for a dog to be dominant you, you would so i asked her today so he's dominant so but dominance means status so where is he dominant is he dominant with you when he's around you does he feel like he's got a big status or does he feel like he's got a big status around a smaller dog or a larger dog because his status is going to shift yeah depending on who is around his crowd yep. right 
And so his his status is completely related to its environmental, right? Um, just like with people. You know, you might be around somewhere and you're like, that's right, I'm the best around here. And then you go where someone else is really amazing and you go, oh, I'm real small around here. Yeah, you know, yeah. That real big, you know, and, you know, it depends on, on what, where, where, you know, you're around. But, um, yeah, so basically I'd get them to walk away from pressure and I want to convince them that when they're uncomfortable they can use their feet and they can come back to me and when I do that with them I get them to break fixation. So the first thing I target is I want them to understand that they can turn their head and walk away and look at me when they're uncomfortable which is why I start with my recall and then giving me two eyes. So I want to teach them the, the skills first and then I want to stencil it on a situation with another dog. So the first thing I do is I practice my recall and I want to teach them to come in towards me now. I'm doing a number of different things. Number one, I want two eyes. Number two, um, I'm teaching them how to come into the rope. So usually the rope's behind the dog and the owners are holding him back, which is the usual case when the dog goes to fight mode. The dog sees another dog, advances forward, and the owner's at behind the dog at that yep. point with the rope in between. The pressure is now behind the dog because they're holding the dog back. And they're, you know, um, a lot of people at that point think, well, that should slow the dog down, but really it will tell the dog to go forward um, because the pressure's behind, behind it. Yeah. Right, same way, you'd, you know, what, what, the example I use a lot of times with people is that if someone was to grab you by the hoodie, you're walking and someone starts to pull back on you, would you jump backwards or would you pull forward to get rid of them, mm. right? Or if someone was facing you and they grab and you were, you were facing each other and they grabbed you by the hand and tried to pull forward, would you pull your arm backwards away from them or would you give them your hand if you yeah. didn't like it, yeah. right? Now, giving them your hand would give you release, right, because you'd move it towards them, which means that they'd, it would take the pressure off, right? But why would you pull the hand back away then? right, because you're always going to go against the source of the pressure, right, and so if the pressure's behind the dog, you're really telling them to go forward because they're trying to get away from the source of the pressure, pushing them straight into whatever the potential threat is. The other dog in this yeah, case. Yeah, the dog, yeah, and uh, which is the same way that you decoy train a dog. The way you attack train a dog is you hold them back yeah. so that they go forward, right, you create, a, you create pressure and then you release it and they explode forward, right, yeah. and... And that's really what happens there. So one of the big things that I like to focus on. Increased frustration as well, right? A hundred percent. A lot of frustration. And that frustration will get redirected onto whatever they're not comfortable with. So the the, the thing that they perceive as the biggest threat in that environment will end up as the <laughs> as the release. So which uh, way should you pull that lead then? Forward. forward. But how do you get the lead forward if yeah. the dog's in front of you? Yeah. Well, 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 you wouldn't put a dog in that situation until you taught a dog how to follow you. Yeah. So... The first thing I do with the dog is, um, and a lot of people say, I need to get, I want to get, but how do I get the dog out right now? Well, well, how do you drive a car when you don't know how to drive a car? Yeah. How do you get from here to Timbuktu? Yeah. Well, well, you first have to learn to drive a do car. Do the maps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, you, which we're going to get to, right? You, how do you work on your Your lead is your Google Maps. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Follow the lead, you find bear's eyes. 100%, yeah. So, so, so that's right. So that's the first concept we work on is exactly that is, yeah. is there's this leash thing. And it's not something that holds you back. It's not a restraint. You're not trapped. Yeah. It's, it's not something that makes you stuck and you have to resist and fight against it in order to, to move. And so the first thing to do is put them on a long line and tell them, where do you want to go? You want to go? And this is the thing. A lot of people, they get their dog out on a short lead and start walking them into danger or danger in the dog's eyes. Yeah. And they just keep them going. And they basically train the dog how to walk in a reactive state of mind. And so what I, what I always, the thing that I work on is, First thing I want to teach them is there's this leash thing. It's not what you think it is. 
It's the opposite to what you've been taught to do. It's now something that you follow. It's in front of you. And so the way I do that is on a long line. And they also want to run. They want to go first. When you first get a dog out, they want to run. So instead of holding them on a short lead, making them frustrated, the first thing I'll do is I'll say, you want to go? We'll go and don't talk about it. Let them loose. They run. Now run over here. They get them run run to me. So they just have to go from A to B. Yeah. Now all they need to do at that point, if I'm right next to them and I'm trying to get them to turn around, it's very hard because they can feel my presence. I'm right there next to them. And so they go, well, you're right there. I don't need to look at you. Yeah. But if they're at a distance five, six, seven metres away and I let them loose and I call them back, then they go, well, where is he? I felt something on the lead. What, what's going on? And they turn around to look at me. And when they do, I'll run backwards and I'll tell them. So for me, the come command doesn't – I keep falling into something else. But, <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, the come command doesn't actually mean for me come here. It means you can't catch them. It's competition, right? And so the moment the dog hears the word come, I'm running. I'm running backwards, though. Yeah. I'm not running away from them. Just uh, backwards. Yeah, so I'm squaring up. I'm facing them and running. Because if I turn my back on them and let's say run north, then they'll think it's a competition who gets north first. Yeah. So, yeah, just run past so yeah, they'll run past me. So I, I face them and I run backwards and get them to come to me. Now, even if they do at that point run past me, which some dogs do, they go, yeah, I'm coming to you. Oh, see you, mate. Yeah. Run past. It's kind of like balancing chicks here, right? Yeah. It's different to a young dog balancing up. Square to your shoulders. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And so, so then, even if they do run past me at that point, um, what I do is I just turn back around, uh, turn the opposite direction, and run back the other way. Yeah. And I go, oh, you're going north, are you? Well, I'm going south, and I run the other way, still facing them, because I'll turn around and still face them and run backwards again yep. the other way, and then um, coax them to come towards me. And I'll do that a number of times until they go, oh, it's a lot of running. And I go, well, the only way we stop running is you got to catch me. Yeah. You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to win the game. Right, and so then they, they figure it out. They start catching me at that point, and they they're coming into the lead. Now, as they're coming into the lead, I don't want them as they're coming in towards me. I don't want them running over the top of the lead because I want this this command to be um, the the setup for the next command. Yeah, I want to, I want them to understand what the lead is so that I could use that concept for the net for the hill command. Mm -hmm. And so once I understand how to come into that rope because they've just gone from A to B, and once they've turned their head around to look at me, their heads are now squaring uh, uh facing the lead right it's not behind them anymore it's now in front of them right and so they turn in towards me um i'm at maybe four or five meters they turn in towards me now they're looking at me and looking at the lead now and i'm running backwards i'm coaxing them and as they come towards me i'm going to reel the lead through the palm of my hand so i'll put let's say the my left hand up with my palm facing upwards and i'll place the lead with my right hand into the palm of my hand into my palm of my left hand like almost like you're holding a gun yeah and and i'll place the lead in there and, and then as the dog comes in and bridges the distance, I'll pull the lead through my hand and onto the ground. So I'll just pull it through and let it drop on the ground. And um, and, and this way they're, they're always seeing that lead in front of their face as they're coming towards me. And that's the concept I want to teach them first. Once I've got that, I'll start to work on my heel command. And the reason why I work on a heel command is because, because of what I said earlier, that dogs don't have verbal communication and um, the one who physically, to them, positioning is everything. So if, if I'm walking with my dog and my dog's in front of me, he, he's cannon fodder. He's yeah. the first to make contact with danger, with things he likes, with things he doesn't like. And at that point, he's going to be the one to make decisions because he's the first to make contact. Now, in their world, the one who walks in front is the one who's the decision maker because they're the first to make contact with it. You never see a dog turn around behind him and go, uh, so, so where we uh, where we going? And the one at the back goes, yeah, just uh, chuck a right when you when you hit the big gum tree over there. Yeah, yeah they, they don't have that. The one in front, they're the decision maker now. Now the only way that 
uh, the, the way that they get that position is by competency. They, they'll outrun each other. Well, in a natural environment, it's a little bit different, but in, in, in a pack that we form, they'll compete. And there, there can be, there's a number of different um, reasons for how a dog takes a lead position, obviously age um, and, um, and obviously the personality of the dog. And there's a, yeah. lot, a lot of different variables and uh, that come into play here. But, um, but if you see two dogs um, meet up, the first thing they do is they'll posture and then they'll have a competition. Yeah. Who's faster? Mm-hmm. Who's, who's a better wrestler? Right. Yeah. These are very important conversations for them, and so they'll and they'll establish this, and they might have a number of different conversations over a number of days, even um, have a few trials, have a few <laughs> <of their own laughs> trials going, and uh, and they'll figure out who who is who, um, and and so the one in their world who walks in front is the one who's going to make decisions. So the first thing I want to do is see. Oh, I don't want to teach a dog, hey, walk away from danger, walk away from danger. And he's still in the position where he feels that he's got to make decisions. So the first conversation I have with the dog is, when I call you, come to me. Um, give me two eyes. And then I'll teach him how to heal. So once I've taught him how to come into that lead, I'll, I'll work on that heel command. I'll start to, to walk with them and teach them how to, to follow behind me. And that way I can also explain to them, obviously not verbally, but with action, that they, um, they don't have to make decisions about things. And it's much, much easier to convince a dog not to proactively take on things in their environment if they're in a position where I'm the first to make contact with it, which means I'm the one in danger, not them, or in their lives, right? So they will, so I tell them, hey, you don't need to worry about it. I've got, I've got this covered, right? I'm in front of you, you're following me. Now, some people have this idea that they'll teach a dog to heal by holding it on a tight lead behind them. And that is not a heal command. That is a dog on a tight lead behind you, yeah. right? Yeah. They're feeling trapped, yeah. right? But still, you know, and you might be physically holding them behind you, but they're not following, and the whole thing about being a follower is that you follow. Yeah, right? you got to trust so, the person in front. That's right. Yes, yeah, so it's exactly about trust, and and you can't gain trust by holding the dog directly behind you on a tight lead. So the first thing, yeah. So I'll teach them how to follow, and the way I do that is by um, well, first I teach them how to come into that rope so they understand the concept. Then I'll start to walk with the dog, and if they get in front of me, instead of applying pressure now backwards behind them, I'll do a one eighty and about. Uh, about turn a 180 degree turn um, always in the same direction I always turn away from the dog so I'll turn to my right some people turn into the dog I prefer to turn away from the dog for the first good few weeks even month of training um, if the dogs if I've turned away from the dog then they turn into me yeah right if I turn into the dog they turn out first which means they're the first to turn right so dogs on my left I turn to my right and that way they're always turning their head to the right which means I'm, convinced, I'm I'm getting them to turn their head constantly in towards me. Also what it does is because they're so used to that action of turning to the right again and again, it flexes them and makes their neck quite flexible on that right side. So they and can so, look up at you. So, so much easier. The more practice yeah. they get, and not only that, because I keep turning to the right, it becomes uncomfortable for them to turn to the left because the right side is so much softer. And so it convinces them just even physically they start to turn in a lot and look at me because that side has released because it's flexed yeah. and the left side isn't flexed as much so it's a bit more rigid and they're much more comfortable turning in and looking at me and giving me two eyes. Yeah. And so it even kind of their body almost convinces, their muscle memory convinces them to do it. But, we, but I work on a lot of that um, always clockwise around me. So um, to begin with, obviously with a sheepdog, you'd want them to go in different directions, but with um, for obedience training, Yeah. My first focus is working on stay on my left, turn to the right. 
and and I'll get them telling me I don't know. Because of that, also that same sequence, it becomes so much easier for them to because they only have to go one direction. They don't have to think a lot about it, and they can get really good at it. And 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 if the dog's already healing with me, and I turn to my right and they're staying behind me all the time, turning in towards them to the left, I don't have to cut them off. They're already behind me. Mm -hmm. I don't need to use that as a method to get them. If I turn to the left after a month or two weeks or three weeks of doing it. It, it'll happen automatically. I don't actually have to train them to do that because when I turn to the left, they're already behind me. Yeah. I'm looking at you for a guide already. Yeah, I already they already know the concept, so it's just transferring to the left. But but I um, but I'll work. Um, so when they get in front of me, I'll do an about turn. I'll pivot away from them, and and then I'll ask them. So basically, they say, "Where are we going, bear? Are we going north?" And the moment they get in front of me, they're not trying to be rude. They're not trying to be disrespectful or anything. They just ask some questions. They just don't have words. So they'll go, who's leading the walk? Who's leading the pack? Who's making decisions? Who's deciding who's good, bad, a threat? What direction? What speed of travel? You know, who's got the weight of the world on them? You or me? Yeah. And the way they ask that question is they walk in front. And, and if I thought, if I was, the, 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 you know, thought I was should be in the lead position and I was a dog, what would I do? Well, I'd take over them, right? But I wouldn't hold them back. So instead of holding them back, I'll do an about turn and head the opposite way because I can't outrun the dog and I don't want to. I'll say, oh, did you think we'll go north, did you? <laughs> no idea. Yeah. South, yeah. right? And I'll do yeah. an about turn and start heading south. At that point, they're behind me now, right, because I'm going the other way, right? So I'll tell them, hey, catch up, slow coach, we're going this way. Right? Yeah. Now they start to catch up. I can now praise them that distance from where they're behind me to catch up to me because I've asked them to do something brand new, whereas if I tried to hold them back and stop them, I wouldn't be able to praise them at that point because I've told them to stop doing something undesirable. Whereas here, I've set them up, right? They thought, we'll go, not, did you think we'll go? No idea, south. Yeah. I'll go the other way. And then they, they go, oh, where's he going? Oh, he's going that way. Oh, better catch up. As they're doing that, good, good dog. I'm proud of you. Get them to catch up. Uh, reward them for that. And then as they catch up, they go, are we going south? Should I take point? They get in front again. We're doing about turn again. Catch up, slow go. He goes, where the hell is this guy going? After three, four, five turns, depending on the dog and how. Uh, um, you know what, what their tendency, how quick they they, they switch onto it. So, but they all do in the end uh, yeah. pretty quickly. Actually, they uh, if you've done your recall right, um, then. But the most important thing is doing a lot of that recall first. That's uh, that's that's really important because that softens up the dog and gets their focus. Um, yeah, gets that connection with you. Um, then uh, you'd um, uh, yeah. Then I've, I've done this a few times. They go every time I get in front of him, I find myself behind him. And, and he's telling me to catch up, and then when I'm catching up, he's proud of me. I think I, I don't know where he's going to go. I'm going to keep an eye on this bloke. And they start to slow down and look at me. And when yeah. they do that, I give them lots of reward. Sorry, I missed a step in, in there. Between my recall and my heel, once I understand the concept of that lead, I'll play a bit of a mind game with them. I'll start to walk, and I might be working them in the, you know, in the sun or wherever, and, and uh, we'll have a shady spot for them to go to. And I'll keep giving them a bit of release to go in the shade for a bit of a break. And so that becomes almost their recovery spot. And so they'll keep get, uh, gravitating towards it when they get a second. And so then I'll play a little bit of a mind game with them. And I'll start going, all right, I'll keep the lead completely slack. And as we start to gravitate towards and we take a few steps towards the shade, the shade, they'll go, oh, shade, I know what we're doing. They'll start moving towards it. As they do that, they take two, three steps away from me in front. They don't notice me anymore. I run backwards to the end of that lead and call them. Yeah. And, and make them come back to me. And then, good dog. And then we keep moving again. Do it again. Right. And then they go, this bear bloke, every time I look away from him, I only take two steps away and then I'm running a full four or five metres. Yeah. How's he doing that? I'm going to keep an eye on him. And they, they start looking at me and they start keeping an eye on me and going, oh, he's going to set me up. I'm going to look at him and they start looking at me and then and then I'm rewarding them. Good dog, I'm proud of you. And they're going, oh, he likes that. Oh, I'll keep looking at him. And they keep, 
kept doing that and they're looking at me not only because I'm rewarding them but also because they, they, they're worried I'm going to make them run. I'm going to yeah. set them up. They go, every time I look away, I take two steps forward, I'm doing a lot more running than I actually <laughs> walked away. Now, if they walked all the way to the end of that lead and then I called them back and then they walked the end of the lead and called them back, they do it all day long. But if they don't know when I'm going to call them and they take two steps and suddenly I call them, they want to keep an eye on me. Yeah. You know? So you're really just making them use their brain and, and think about 100%. It. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to get them to think about me. Yeah. Right. Now, the reason why I wanted to think about me is not because I'm needy like that and need <laughs> to think about me, but for their sake. See, yeah. they, I'm not teaching them to do something that they wouldn't do in nature. See, the whole way a wolf pack works, so how do they work? How can they all synchronize with each other perfectly? How can we get a dog chucking on a leader and wants to run away? Right, and they, they keep trying to pull away from us, whereas a wolf pack goes in the bush, no leads, no nothing. They synchronise, they mirror each other perfectly, you know, and, 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 and they don't go to any dog training school. Yeah. How do they do that? So they, 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 they learn how to do that. They all go through a system that's quite similar to what we do there, and um, they learn by lack of choice. And not only do, do wolves go through it, but we also go through that the same way. Yeah. Um, and we, we learn to prioritise our pack over our environment. So the pups, they start out with, um, we'll get distracted by everything first and they're young, they're born and raised in the den area. Mum starts to get a bit hungry, she needs to join the pack on the hunt. She leaves the pups, they're old enough to, to stay in the den area for a period of time by themselves and she'll join the pack on the hunt, run out. Little pups, they learn to find, follow and prioritise mum. So they find mum first for milk, fall asleep, milk drunk, then they start following her around everywhere, annoying her and, you know, and then they start to, to, to chase her everywhere and obsess over her and then she becomes everything, you know, food, love, shelter, jungle gym, valuable. Yeah, and she's just everything to them, right? And they just idolise her and, and hang off her and, you know, and, and and she's starting to get annoyed by her and trying to run away from them and you'll see it even with domestic dogs. Yeah. Like, I've had enough, I need to get away and she tries to run away. Now, at that point in the pack, the pups would be running out of the den area and trying to catch mum and then they'd get left behind and she'd leave them. And they'd go back, they might only be 20 metres out of the den area, and they'll run back and hide in the den where they've been born and raised. The next day they get further, get, get out a bit further, and they, as they're getting bigger and stronger, they're able to keep up a little bit further each time, and they're learning a, f- a number of different real important things. Yep. Number one, they're learning navigational skills. They're learning how to navigate their, back, their way back just from very close to the den and slowly further and further away, learning how to navigate their way back and use their nose and their ears, their eyes, you know, and, and recognise their environment and find their way back to the de- to the safety of the den. Number two, they're learning how to ignore their environment. So as they're getting bigger and stronger, they're able to keep up further and further each time. And they, they, there's a bit of a pack mentality that kicks in with the pups where they compete with each other to try and catch up to the, there they are, there's mum, catch her. <laughs> right? They'll try and chase and catch her together and then they get, oh, left behind, go back and hide in the den. Yeah. As they're getting stronger, they're able to keep up a bit further each time. And the further they get, the harder it is to get back to the den the more important it is to try and stay with the pack. By the time they're about six, seven, eight months old, it's very difficult for them to get back to the den at that point and they're lagging behind the pack and in a point of desperation because they go, if we lose them, we're dead. Yeah. Right? And so they've got to stay with the pack and they can see them and they're learning a few different things. Number one, take your senses. It's not enough just to ignore the environment and not get distracted, but you've actually got to take those senses and lock them onto the pack just to keep up, just to survive. And another thing they're learning is because of that, they're able to see, because they're at the back, they're able to observe how the pack are actually working and they can learn how the pack behave because they're behind and they're the ones who are lagging, they're watching and trying to keep up. Then they can start to compete with the back members, right? And they can earn their way to the front by competency, right? Now, by this point, they've learned 
ignore that reactive brain that independently assesses the environment, lock onto the pack. The only one that makes decisions and independently assesses is the one in front. Everyone else mirror and compete with the front member, right? And that's how they all, that's how they learn. And they learn to prioritise their pack over their um, independent assessment of their environment. Yeah. That's one of the most important things they can learn. That's how they become a pack animal in our world. We take them from when they're two months old, we stick them on a piece of rope and we do the opposite. We tell them, hey, you see this piece of rope? You feel it? That's me. Can't get lost even if you tried. Yeah. So they learn, can't get lost. <laughs> Don't need to look at the pack. Don't need to think about anything. Can just do whatever we like and they start. Now, the only thing that the, the reactive, the responsive brain, which is the one that's job is to follow, trust and mimic, to synchronise, the only way that turns on, um, it, the only way the reactive brain turns off, sorry, is by the responsive brain turning on. So those sensors are going to go somewhere. They're either going to go on the environment, which is, where the, which is what the reactive brain is, or they're going to go on the pack, which is what the responsive brain is. So it's not, they're not doing anything different other than putting them on something else, so either putting them on, on an individual or on a pack or on on the environment. And so um, when we raise a dog, we tend to go, well, I want to get him real comfortable with everything and I want him to smell everything and I want him to – and so we put them on a rope and they feel us and they go, well, I can't get lost if I tried, so what am I going to do with the senses? I'll independently assess the environment or look at this, yep. sniff that, whatever. and we basically educate them to become reactive. Something that I always recommend with puppy owners, people I don't train – puppies for people in general, um, not because it, you know, I, I don't know, I just like, yeah, it's a bit boring. Trying to find a way out of that, but, you know, you know I, I, I don't get me wrong, I love educating my own pups and raising them and giving them exposure and socialising them and everything. I just don't like to do it as a career because, yeah. uh, you know, there's there's a lot more interesting things I can do. You know, it's pretty boring raising first-time dog owner puppies, you know, whatever. So, um you know, teaching them about, you know, taking the dog out for a wee and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, yeah. rather a dog try and bite me, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but we, um, yeah, so so um, one of the things that I really recommend to puppy owners, other than obviously socialising the hell out of them or getting heaps of strangers, people to pat them, even dogs that they want them to be independent later on, bomb proof them first, fortify them, make them feel concrete, you know, feel strong within themselves. And then you can teach them with education not to gravitate to people. And I'll be much more likely to do that like we talked about earlier yeah, today. Yeah. Much more likely to, to, to respond to that if they don't have a lacking in that yeah. area rather than if they have a lacking, then they've got this constant unknown. I just want to experiment, test it out. Yeah. I want to meet. Yeah. But um yeah, do you put an age on that as to when you can then say okay but now you're not allowed to interact with that person yeah so so um well i guess depends on for what type of uh, purpose you're looking for yeah so if it, i guess once a dog starts to actively get into training you'd, you'd start to slowly um discourage it yeah not to highlight it but yeah. to just start with calling them back over here and yeah. discuss with the people around you yeah. not to you know yeah don't pat my dog. Yeah, don't pat my dog. Yeah, and then obviously starting to teach your dog as well. When you can, there's lots of different ways that you can do that um, by even just using other people as a decoy for you know letting the dog go to them and just as it's about to go, then call them back, you yeah. know, and playing little games like that. And dog go, yeah. I don't want to go to them, just set me up, yeah, yeah. And then when they come to you, good dog, hey, go, 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 say, go, call them, call them over, yeah, and then and especially teaching someone to call the dog and 
and and teaches the dog not to respond to that is is one of the big things that will really just unravel that need for socializing with other people pretty easily just by doing a bit of a practice training with them you know mm -hmm. and it's all fun and there's no bad feeling about it and it's just um you just tell them hey people are people you know it's like when you take the horse and the horse keeps gravitating you put him in a round yard and he goes towards the gate and there's people at the gate let's say and they're hanging out at the gate and the horse goes over there for security what would you do at that point yeah make them work on that going. area <laughs> and then give him release on the other area right? yeah yeah so when he goes past that point you put pressure on him and go hey yeah yeah run run when you see people you run yeah and when the other side release yeah right? and then so it's kind of like a, a kind of an idea like that that you'd use um but then you just basically incorporate people into your training scenarios and 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 um and the dog will start proactively going ah i don't really want to go to people people will work yeah right i'll start to avoid it but um yeah so i'll start with um yeah my, my obedience to them and teach them how to and then once i've got that we'll go back to the dog reactivity thing because the video was starting <laughs> out to that i got lost somewhere else. no but it goes to show that you don't just look at that dog reactivity and let's solve that there's a whole program in place 100%. to start to educate from the get-go yeah to be well, able to build the trust in the dog not just go let's fight fire with fire yeah. you're gonna go up i'm gonna go up yeah well a lot of people um i see they try and punish a dog for being reactive to other dogs and they the fact that the dog is being reactive is because he feels vulnerable around other dogs and you're telling it should be punishing him for being afraid um but and, and what Confirming happens then is that you both become the enemy so yeah. he he starts to lose trust with the, with the person around other dogs and he says when there's other when i can't win yeah right he, he just feels like he's just got no win in sight and so usually at that point they'll start using avoidance or they'll pair fight and avoidance up together and they've got a fight mode and shut down at the same time and won't won't be receptive to, to communication at that point. But what I really work on is teaching them that they are basically I convince them by using my long line. I'll set up a mock scenario, put a dog out, a decoy dog that is already trained by our, one of our dogs that is bomb proof and won't react negatively back to the other dog mm -hmm. to begin with. And I'll I'll use them and I'll let the dog run almost to within like close enough very close almost touching yeah and then i'll call them back right at that last second and because i've already put in a foundation with that recall and i trust it i'll i'll get them to and i will before i actually get it right in i might call them a few times from halfway just to make sure that i've, I've that we're all on the same page <laughs> and, and uh and then i'll then then we'll come in close let them go call them back and get them to break focus from right close to the other dog get them to turn their head right around and come back to me once I've turned around from close proximity to the other dog two or three times and they've come back to me and they haven't been compromised in the process, the other dog hasn't hurt them. They go, wait a minute, I've just turned my back on the other dog completely, turned my head around, walked away, broke fixation, and nothing bad happened. You're joking. And I'm, as they're coming to me, good dog, I'm so proud. You give them lots of love. And I'm telling them, when you're uncomfortable, you give me your two eyes and you run to me and I'll protect. Nothing bad will happen, right? You can use your feet. You're in control of your body. You're not trapped. Move. And that's why I'll always stand a bit of a distance away from them when I'm first interacting with another dog. I won't stand on top of them. Yeah. I'll stand away because I'll give them where to go. Yeah. I'll give them a place to go to come. You see you're uncomfortable? I can also see the big picture. And I'll say, you see you're uncomfortable? Come out of the picture. Come yeah. to me. Right? And they go, oh, you're joking. I can just move my feet and come. That's it. You're, you're, you're safe. You're in control. You can use your feet, not your mouth. They go, you're joking. Now, no dog in my that I've ever met will proactively choose to fight when they've got another option. Yeah. If they're fighting, it's because they don't believe they have another option. Yeah. Now you might go, well, they had plenty of options. That's lovely that we say that, but but it's about what they believe. And right? that, and that's no different with the people reactive dog, right? 
teaching them to move their feet. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and then and they still um, have no other option. So yeah. And then people, um, as well. And then, yeah. So then the next phase, that's right. So that, that, so then there's a few phases to it. So the first phase is teaching them that when they're on a lead to be easy going and to realize that they're safe in their own skin when they're having an interaction with another dog on a lead. Once I've got that going and I've done my recall, then we'll, we'll do what we call, uh, drive-bys. Okay, they're not like the Mount Druitt type drive. <laughs> <laughs> they're Beniza drive. Okay? And they're, they're, they're basically dogs walking past each other. Yep. So we, we'll walk past each other and we'll have the dog stay in heel and we'll now teach a dog that once we've broken the fixation and he's not feeling completely vulnerable around that other dog who's turned his back on him a number of times and he's feeling quite confident now, which is confidence is the dog's ability to anticipate a positive outcome. And that, that happen, it happens only through experience where the dog has controlled the situation in a different way and nothing bad's happened. And so we, once I've built a bit of confidence and I'll go, all right, let's move on to the next phase, which is coming at each other. So now the past, the, the decoy dog's active now is not sitting, you know, in neutral standing position. There, yeah. yeah, just dormant. That's you. Yeah. And, uh, and he's now, he's now moving. So now he's an active threat potentially because we come at each other. And because I've worked on the hill commander, I've taught that dog how to follow me. And I've now broken the fixation and taught him he can turn his back, nothing bad's going to happen. We cruise past each other a number of times. And what I'll do is if the dog starts to stare at the other dog as we're walking past, I speed up with my body and I tell the dog to move forward past the other dog, like defensive driving, basically. So I tell the dog, tell the dog. Hit the to, gas, not the brakes. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell him, see how you're nervous as we're cruising parallel to this other dog? Speed up. Yeah. Don't don't move at the dog. Speed up and cruise past it. Don't be right? scared of the dark. Yeah. That, those sticky feet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Move your feet. You're in control. And they'll go, you're joking. So I can just speed up a bit and then we cruise past. That's it. And they start. And we'll do that num numerous times and we might bring out a number of different dogs. And once he's real comfortable, I might then go, go and, um, depending on the dog's level of um, uh, well, reactivity, if, if, he's, if he's at a level where I think that he's, he's not too bad and he's just had a bit of a nerves due to lack of experience or whatever, I might then get him to break the ice with another dog. So I'll bring a dog out and I'll get him to, I'll, I'll, I'll walk behind the other dog and I'll get the dog that I'm walking, the, the, the decoy dog, to walk in front um, and I'll get the new dog to sniff the decoy dog's butt. Yeah. Right, not face to face. Right, so that he can get some information about the other dog without feeling threatened by the other dog's face. And, yeah. and I'll let him have a sniff and then I'll call him off. And then we'll do that a few times. I'll tell him now when you make contact, you can make physical contact and disconnect. And so that way I can practice my obedience and my recall of physical contact with the other dog when he's actually made contact. And then from there I'll get him coming cruising past and maybe going face to face and doing a few, few of that. And with the people thing, I'd have to, it's a little bit more complicated because I'd first do all that foundation, like you said, yep. and then... I'll, then I've got to get the people patting the dog because um, for a dog to be confident around people, they have to have, uh, the dog has to have its physical touch. That's a real yeah. thing with the dog. So let's say um, cattle dogs or different breeds like that, they're a bit head shy and they don't like it when you pat them and then take your hand off the front of their head. Mm -hmm. They go to lunge generally at that point and try and give you a nip. Um, and so um, I'll work with the people on being able to transfer the dog to someone safely. So we'll teach the dog how to get a pat from a stranger side on. So we're sitting on your side so you can pat him over the top of his head and the hand can glide off the back of the head rather than come off the front, right? So if you're facing the dog and you pat him, then your hand comes off the front. Yeah. But if the dog's on the side of you, then when you pat him, you can drop your hand down side to the side of you and pat him off the top of his head and come off the back of his head, mm -hmm. right? And that way he's not 
it's not coming, you know, in front and um, invasive. Yeah, and so he, and so that's what I'll I'll, I'll start with the, you know, teaching him first lead work, so it's transferable, and then I'll transfer him to different people once he yields and follows the lead blindly, and then I'll part I'll be able to transfer him to different people to handle that lead, and if he's following him and they get him to sit on their side. Very mm. unlikely for him to have a crack at him. And more, then, more people giving the same message, right? Consistent yeah. message on that lead. Yeah, and yeah, that's right. And then and then they um, and then I can get people padding. You know, from there I can have different people pad him. So it's just got to have it. We've got to have a way to be able to transfer. Yeah. You know, to get someone to make contact with him without negative experience. And say that dog had never had any problems and didn't need all that. Do you think there's a universal way to introduce yourself to a dog like through a pat? Um, shoot, Maybe shoot. not universal, but what is like? Say, say you walk up to a, a dog. A polite way. A polite way to introduce yourself. Yeah. Well, the politest way to introduce yourself to a dog is to leave him alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And let him, let him, let him try and figure you out without, yeah. without um, putting pressure on him. So we should just be running up to random dogs and just pat them in the face. <laughs> so if you're the best way to make a dog friendly with you, also, <laughs> actually, it varies actually because there there have been numerous dogs that I've met that have been. Um, uh, the opposite to that rule, but that's the general rule. If a dog's unsure, if a dog's confident, just go up and say good day. Yeah. So if a dog is, you can you'll see it as you come up. They'll look at you with a wag their tail. Yeah. They, they'll have you know a happy look in their face, and they'll go and they'll be loose in the in the face, and and um, and and you'll go all right. He's friendly, right? Mm -hmm. and you'll obviously discuss with their owners, obviously, but you know, <laughs> but if you're really yeah. savvy, you'll, you don't need to ask their owners. You'll be able to have a look and see. Obviously, it's the right thing, you know, but I don't need to talk about that on this forum, I guess, but uh, <laughs> it's not really that type. But, uh, but you'd, uh, um, yeah, you'd be able to see your dog's friend. But if a dog does look unsure, then your best bet is um, to not to square up with them, but to let them um, figure you out. And, and then once they've had a sniff and interaction with you, let them come to the table. Yeah. Yeah. Then, yep. then, then have your interaction with them. But I've met some dogs that were nervous until you interacted with them. Yeah. So you'd have to, they were a bit, I'm sure, a lot yeah. of, quite a few dogs, uh, you know, that were, that were the opposite of that rule and they were real friendly. Yeah. But they, they, they were nervous until you said hello and patted them. They're like, oh, yeah. but that's usually a dog that's had the habit of doing that because they're always going, they, they promote it constantly. Well, how, dog. how often do you see like a bigger dog and the, they always say, I'll oh, give him a pat and he'll be right? Like, yeah, yeah, that's right. 100%. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's really where that rule happens is the rule that the owners create for the dog. Yeah. Right? And they yeah. say, yeah, you've got to pat him. But he'll be, oh, he gets offended if you don't pat him. Yeah. yeah he'll, he'll get upset if you don't pat him. And they make this decision and they basically convince people or, or, or kind of under the yeah. threat of the dog being unhappy, yeah. you know, to, to, to tick this box. And, you know, if you create a need, you know, and you, yeah. you, you're going to have to fill it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a question here from John Starr. He's asked, are there specific breeds that have more suspicious behaviour on the reactive side of them or is it more an individual animal thing or line of breed? Like when old drovers would choose specific dogs or breeds, the breed um, to breed the cattle dog that would look after things around the camp because of their protective side. Yeah, so, um, so definitely... Um... Definitely every breed. <laughs> Definitely every Nobody breed. put that chair together, so if that falls apart, like that, it didn't. It was me falling apart. <laughs> the chair. Um, de definitely. Uh, um, Love you, Matt. Every. It wasn't your fault, Matt. Okay, <laughs> it was me. You know, I actually 
just lean backwards and wedge my foot under it, and I'm not wearing shoes here. Oh. So <laughs> that's what I was trying to get out from. I'm going to lean back to get my foot out, but I'm right up against the wall here. <laughs> ah, stuck. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, so definitely um, every breed's different, and some breeds are more, more suspicious, more than, suspicious others. than others, like cattle dog is a yep. good example of that. Your sausage dog. <laughs> yeah, they can be as well. Um, definitely breeding has a place um, in this. So in general, um, definitely certain breeds are more reactive than others. Cattle dogs are suspicious of strangers. They love their owners, love their family, super loyal, but they start to shut their friends list off at about nine, ten months. They're generally quite receptive, you know, and open to people until about six, seven, eight months, and then they start to kind of decrease mm -hmm. and they go, all right, well, we love everyone, um, and then, Okay, we, we love the the regulars, but anyone new, we're not too sure about them. And then they go, well, you know what? We, we only love the close family and maybe some extended family. And then, okay, we only love the close family now. Yeah. And then they basically, everyone else becomes, they slowly kind of shrink their friends list down to immediate, the people who are in immediate contact with the dog or, yeah. um, or who have imprinted the dog when they were young. Um, but then again, also, um uh, and then obviously you've got other breeds you know certain mastiffs or different breeds that are bred for specific purposes um dobermans other breeds that can be a little bit suspicious of strangers um anatolian shepherds you know livestock guardian breeds um lots of different breeds that are a bit nervous and then again you've got in each breed um you know the you, you got the um breeding right so yeah. you might have you know so if you breed a dog that's yeah you, know, you might have a labrador you know that's considered to be quite a passive breed or a golden retriever that you get aggressive dog after aggressive dog you know in in that bloodline yeah. so they'll, they they you know obviously breeders of those types of dogs tend to cull those dogs from the breeding i was gonna say that's res um, yeah. responsible breeding isn't it yeah but um, then again, you get, you know, discrepancies and you get in a bloodline, you might have a certain bloodline of, you know, that, that are, you know, that are more reactive. I, for years, yes. a while ago, I heard chocolate Labradors, yeah. you know, <laughs> chocolate Labradors are crazy. Right? <laughs> That's what I you know, years and years, I've tried it, so I might not really find that, but um, I think that it's just chocolate Labrador owners mainly <laughs> give their dogs an excuse. But, Oh, it's a chocolate lab. That's why you don't need to train it. It's already crazy. Right? Yeah. So that, you know, but um, but a lot of times I find also that, that that people have a certain idea about a breed being a certain way, and because of that, they don't see even a cattle dog that's naturally nervous of people, um, of strangers. They and, and other dogs as well can be, yeah. depending if you socialise them or not. Yeah. They can be pretty forward moving, and also um, certain breeds of dog are more inclined to default to a reactive state if they're. A breed that has been bred to make things move. Mm -hmm. So if you have, you know, a, a, a breed like a cattle dog that doesn't yield to pressure, when, well, they do yield to, to training, obviously, but but they've been bred for that many generations that when a, when something stands their ground with them, a big massive animal, you know, a cow or bull stands their ground with them, they don't back down. They're supposed to fight it and make that the, the other creature move. Yeah, right? that's it. They're not trained to you. They're trained to, to respond to a handler, an owner, you know, but not to not to um, uh, someone, an outsider. Yeah. Right? They're trained to move into it. So definitely certain breeds that have been bred specifically, you know, to make things move um, or, or to guard or whatever it is, <laughs> livestock guardians, et cetera, are going to be much more inclined to, 
to, to be aggressive than, than other dogs. That's why you'll find a lot of people who, uh, well, whenever I get a cattle dog, um, generally I'll go, g'day, I get the phone call and they go, hi, I have a cattle dog and I really, really need training. And I go, where do you live? Are you in, are you on, have you got cows? Yeah. Now, 99% of the time, the answer is no. Yeah. People who have cattle, I find they, they use more kelpies and border collies a lot or coolies. Um, not so, not, not, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people who still use cattle dogs, but, um, but, but, uh, yeah, but a lot of these people, the people that I tend to get with cattle dogs, they, they live in the city. Yeah. And they have a cattle dog. And my next thing, my next question is, so how many people has he bitten? Or yeah. how many people has he had a crack at? Yes, how did you know? And that's generally the thing that happens when I get, you know, I'll get a cattle dog and I'll know. And they, they've got a breed that they know nothing about, usually. Yeah. They, 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 they don't understand the dog in, on stock. If you had a stockman who, who, who worked cattle and he, or, or sheep or whatever and he's raised cattle dogs and whatever and then he's moved to suburbia, you know, he's gone and, you know, moved into town or whatever and, and, and he's got a cattle dog, you'll never hear a person like that ever call a dog trainer because they understand the breed. Yeah. But you'll get someone who kind of lives in Bondi and they're a first-time dog owner and they will go, so we've got this dog, we love cattle dogs, and <laughs> we've got this dog, <laughs> you know, and we and, 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 and he's, she's been lovely, but now yeah. she's changed, right? And she is, you know, and with a dog like that, you could technically raise them to be social and docile, but you have to put in... A lot more effort. Yeah, so much more effort to socialise them you know, then another dog that has an inherent trait, you know, they're passive naturally, whereas they're naturally territorial, they don't trust strangers, they want to make things move, you know, they... While we're on on that as well, um, what about those breeds that are normally passive, right? And let's let's not step in the white elephant, the the COVID bubble, right? That people breeding for what dogs look like rather than the nature and temperament, how... Obviously, that's a big part of your business these days as well, yeah, right? Definitely, um, but people people are breeding for looks because the people buying it are willing to pay money for looks, yep. right? Rather than temperament, people looks and color. Yeah, w- w- the breeders that I spoke to, and I'm sure you guys would know yourselves in, yeah. in that same exact situation. People call you up and go, "I want a kelpie that looks like this and this." And you know, or whatever. Has to be or red and dog. tan, and the big yeah. female have blue eyes. Yeah, yeah. They've got <laughs> yeah. some criteria that they about specifically. They won't say a word about their working, you know, what, and what their per- what, you know. What are the parents like? Yeah, or the temperaments <laughs> of their parents, or something yeah. like that. The first thing is, have you got a black and tan? Yeah. Or have you got a red and tan? Or have you got a you know, a, a, you know, some sort of you know, and and so they'll definitely that's a big thing. Um, but that's not to take away from breeders who are very Ethical. particular, yeah, yeah and, and they will not compromise and they won't um, fall into that temptation, yeah. you know, get baited into that temptation of the, you know, I can make another, you know, thousand bucks if yeah. it's a blue, you know, yeah. or whatever, you know, and and they, you know, which is, um, but definitely I'm, I'm getting, but more than anything, even at the end of the day, honestly, for me, I... I believe that any dog can get, um, obviously, every breed of different traits and tendencies and whatever, but I don't care about the breeding. In, in, well, I care about it, and I do, um, you know, but um, and it definitely plays a massive part, you know, with work ethic and everything else and style of work and, you know, all the rest of it. But for me, 
um, I feel very strongly that if you put the yards in with your dog and you train them, you'll get a good dog. Yeah. And and so I don't give these people excuses and I don't allow them to to buy into, oh, well, the breeder, it, it's a breeder thing. No, it's not. You raise the dog. You've had it since two months old. Sometimes I get I get phone calls all the time because we work with a lot of the rescues around and and so we people will call me and, or, and they'll go, so I've got a rescue dog. And um, it's two years old and it's really aggressive to people, to dogs, whatever. And I'll go, and it doesn't listen to anything it's told. And and the reason is because it's a rescue dog. Yeah. And mm. I'll say, well, what age did you get the dog? Oh, two months old. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, rescue dog. <laughs> That's true. You just got a yeah. puppy and you raised and you stuffed it. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> you know, you, obviously it's I don't say it like that. Yeah. You know, you've got to say it nicely, but, you know, but that's the deal. Yeah. You raised it. You were responsible for it. You know, if I get some kid as a baby, a Russian kid or yeah. a kid from Africa or from France or from somewhere, you know, whatever, and, and I raise it, then... then you can't go blaming his yeah, nationality. you can't go, go oh, well, it's because he's French, you know. <laughs> you know, it's, you know <laughs> it's German, you know. <laughs> so, nah. so, um, you know, do you think, but, still think genetics do play a part in that? Like if you let's hundred percent that yeah, influence, it's an influence. Yeah. You, it's always nature over nurture, but to some part, if you you know you could raise the dog as well as you could, all of best. But if both parents bite people, there's a huge likelihood that that well, dog is going to. Or do you well, not no, agree? No, I don't agree. Yeah, I, I agree that definitely if both parents and Dan and I have actually had this discussion about. Yeah conditioning and what it does to genetics yeah potentially if it does yeah i believe that training and conditioning affects the dna and creates a big change in the dna i believe that everything that you do changes alters your dna yeah and and i believe every experience alters your dna that's probably one of the only things we don't agree on yeah yeah but uh but i do believe but especially and let's let's generalize we bring it down to stock dogs right at the end yeah. of the day but yeah yeah no, well that's fine yeah. but you know uh we stop dogs fine i believe you know definitely you know that you can and, and i understand completely where you're coming from and i've yeah. seen in real life what you've done with a dog yeah. where you've taken you know where you've kind of fought the genetics let's say putting eye into a dog that's that's loose eye you yeah. know and they look like a dog and naturally has yeah. eye and you would not tell the difference you know yeah. between them but and don't get me wrong i answer but even so i still believe that dog obviously had that how could it do it if it didn't have it in the yeah. dna you know you won't see a dog meowing <laughs> then it's not in the DNA, yeah. right? You know, it's it. You can only do what nature already has created for you, definitely. But then again, nature is potential. So yeah. If you have a dog that both parents bite, there's a likelihood, a higher likelihood, a higher percentage that the, the pups are going to be more aggressive. Yeah. And and have certain tendencies. But then again, if you take that pup and you raise it and you socialise the hell out of it, and you'll be able to see it. As a young dog, you know, people tell me all the time, it was suddenly, and then suddenly it, and I go, no, it didn't. I've never met a dog that suddenly did anything in my yeah. life. Yeah. And, it's and, all, it was kind of, it was always great. Yeah, and, and, I, and I tell them, you got that dog. And when it was little, I know it wasn't being aggressive, but it was timid, right? It was timid. It would shy away. It would back away. It would, oh, we just thought it was reserved. You know, we just thought it was yeah. a bit, you know, a little bit snobby, yeah. right? And yeah. they've got these, and, and this behaviour started somewhere. And at that point in the in the beginning process where it started to show those timid tendencies, if they would have combated, you know, uh, you know, addressed it right then, then it would not be that way. Because I can tell you now personally I've raised heaps of dogs and, and I've raised heaps of dogs that start off timid 
and nervous and and looked like they were you know you know and, in the world and, and yeah terrified of everything and they're super confident now arrogant even a little bit you know, they walk <laughs> around there g'day everyone i'm amazing you know and they, yeah. Yeah, and, they, and they would never bite and that's a dog that if that i can that i knew that if i left it the way it was and just raised it and let it let that behavior fester it would turn into uh, an aggressive tendency once yeah. it got confidence a lot of times these behaviors they 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 develop like a bulb under the under the ground and they'll 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 slowly be developing yeah and then once the dog hits a level where they're actually confident about themselves when they hit adulthood and they go i think i can defend myself now then it comes out as aggression or as some sort of a um a magnified tendency you know where where it's actively go whoa that's a problem yeah right but it but they don't recognize that it was a problem until it actually until the dog does damage or until they do something that's considered unacceptable. Yeah, throw a different spanner and that works. Yeah. What if that pup, let's say six to 12 months old, it's been allowed to get a lot away with it. Um, it's sort of started to fester. What happens then when you take that dog on at 12, 15 months old? Do you, can you stomp on, not stomp on it, but can, can <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah, can you do that and, and, and get it to, not pop up again or do you think it'll pop up again oh that's interesting yeah so that that so i um uh well it really depends um on quite a number of variables then um it depends on is that dog going back to that same location where this behavior was created yeah or is it going to a new place or is it staying with me or is it you know because that, that's yeah. the question so if it was um let's say it was staying with you if it was staying with me, I could stamp out that behaviour very yep. quickly and the way I'd stamp it out would be more, um, well, I'd take a, a multi-pronged approach to it. Number one, I'd build its self-esteem by giving it a sense of purpose, training yep. it and giving it, teaching it stuff so that it feels good about itself. Um, number two, I'd give it, I'd um, work on different coping tools. So if the dog's, let's say, fearful and flighty, I'd work on the dog not running away, yep. um, building confidence like that. If the dog is aggressive, I teach it to move away, you know, yep. and then teach it not to move away. You know, once it knows it can move away, then I'll teach it that it doesn't have to move away and build the confidence that way. I'd also um, socialise the hell out of the dog yep. and get it around people and address those tendencies um, and, and flood it with those experiences. And then I can pretty much guarantee that it won't come back. You know, as an example, Blue, Blue, my Kelpie, is two and a half years old. Got him from Campbelltown Pound. They called me and said they're going to put him down. They said he's nuts. He's aggressive. He bites people. He's got a crazy look in his eye. We don't trust him one bit. Yeah. And uh, he is unrehomable. And they said, and I said, they said, do you want to take him on? I said, no, not really. And uh, they said, well, oh, that's too bad. Uh, we're going to have to put him down. I said, no, wait, wait, wait a minute. I said, what? Why are you putting him down? I said, well, we can't. He bites people. And I said, well, you know, what if I um, get the bite out of him? I said, well, you keep him until you rehome him. And they said, yeah, if he's not biting, then we're happy to keep him until we get him home. And so I took him. I said, well, I'll come take him. I said, I'll pick him up for a week or two. I won't charge you anything. I'll train him and I'll give him back to you. And then, you know, I don't know what, why I did that, but something tugged on my heartstring and I was like, all right, we're going to give him a chance. So I took him. Obviously, now I've, I've ended up keeping him. But um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I took him in and I've trained him and 
and he came real good and that dog would not hurt a fly down you know the dog 100 would, would you think i saw that him dog, i saw yeah. him the other weekend yeah 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 beautiful yeah everything happens everything happens for a reason what right mate and here's yeah. your journey oh, you yeah. stopped dog world which we're going to touch on and i wouldn't get right? away now for, for anything but, <laughs> but well, you know i do believe now if he goes back to another home back to the original home if they don't if they change their ways and take on board everything i've told them and they comply and they really change that's very hard for people the fact yeah. that they created the dog like that yeah tells you there's something yeah in their way of life with the dog that's for that specific dog yeah they, just they might work. get along yeah. beautifully with a different breed or with a different dog but for that dog it not working yeah. yeah and so they they could now if they are willing and some people are and it's pretty interesting some people do to do that flip and they completely you know change their way of handling their dog and they get amazing success and that behavior disappears because you know aggression is not a personality trait yeah it's a symptom yeah right it's it's an action that happens either due to 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 you know genetics or due to bad experiences or due to a lack of experience or and and it's it's just a a, a way of dealing with something and you can you know it's not because they're trying to eat another dog or a person not hungry for them it's 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 out of fear right yeah. and so even when a dog bites sheep they're doing because they're scared Unless you've trained them to do it, yeah. right? So if, if you start a dog on sheep and they first thing they do is they run and start biting them, it's because they're scared. And what would you do to, to get them to stop with that behaviour if you wanted them to stop that behaviour? Um, generally, you'd put them in a small yard, right, and make them use their feet. Tell them run past the yeah. sheep. Sandwich pretty them, true, yeah. Sandwich them in between the in between yeah. the, the sheep and the fence, and and teach them how to that they give they're confidence. Not, yeah, that they're, that they're safe, right? And you yeah. say, look, see. Nothing bad's happening. Are they killing you? No. You need to try and bite it? No. Settle down. And very quickly the bite disappears, right? Um, and and it's the same same kind of idea. They, you know, aggression is not a personality trait as much as it is, you know, a symptom of something else. And it definitely can get um, removed, you know, with the right home or sometimes even just removing them and putting them in a new home. And as long as those owners don't remind them of the past owners, yeah, pretty in, good to go. Insanity is the definition of doing the same thing, expecting a different result, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Something's got to change. And going back to the same environment would be the definition of insanity. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Right, we could sit here for absolute yeah. hours and talk <laughs> about the behavioural stuff. Right? We're going to have to shift a bit. But I think what we've absolutely learned here is that there's no magic powder. There's no, no. crocodile dundee. so interesting. It's, like, oh, absolutely. There's a lot of work and a lot of programming involved yeah, right and creating yeah. new new, and new ha happy humor right? a new happy place yeah 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 not wrong yeah 100 that's it it's a lot of you know you know um people walk away with with a dog that's really well trained um but those people who come to my sessions see how much sweat pours off me to train yeah. to get to get in their dog's head and get their dog moving and following those instructions yeah. you know oh you, you guys have seen me yeah, you know I'm marching up and down. I don't stop the whole day, you know, run up and down. Someone's got to run, run the kilometres with that dog and get it, you know, get, get its, you know, brain ticking and, you know, it's usually me doing the dirty work and, yeah. And apart from um, the survival of your family, right, um, what do you get out of it? What, what's the, gratif what, the gratification? What oh, it's so much more than just paying bills, you know. It's, uh, to me, it's, uh, well, it's my whole life. It's my world. It's something that I – it fuels me every day. I wake up in the morning, my brain just firing until – the moment I go to bed, it's just ideas of what you know, new things that are coming. I, I, I live off it. It's a, it's a, it's like a, it's like a drug to me. Um, you know, and the, the the more complicated and the more intense and the bigger the, you know, 
the, yeah, the better. Yeah. 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 So. Very cool. Um, we talked about Blue there, your introductory to stock dogs or into yeah. the stock dog world. Yeah. Um, what, what's This is obviously something that you're really, really passionate oh, about now. It. Yeah. I'm, I'm not very good yet, but, um, but I'm at uh, uh, the start of my journey with it. Uh, and uh, uh, it's just a whole new world for me. And uh, even just creating the correlations between my past work with protection, yeah. you know, I'm building a, a working dog up in that way to see the correlation to building up a sheepdog and what it takes. And obviously, I've got that much to learn. So I've got, luckily, I've got a, got a good <laughs> friend down here to, to guide me. Um, but uh, yeah, oh, it's it's um, incredibly rewarding for me, especially since I can do it at home by myself. I've got sheep at home, and you know that, that dog does all hell, mind you. <laughs> you know, you know I, I pretty much have walk down, walk outside with a handbag. Yeah. You know, I think it's a dog, and the sheep will run to me. From, you know, but uh, you know, it, you know, but it, it's uh, but uh, to me, it's just um, uh, I've got so much to learn, and that learning is a uh, is 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 so uh, rewarding for me, you know, to yeah. um, and getting the dogs moving and, you know, I, I've become obsessed with it a little bit, uh, to be honest. And, and not <laughs> just at home on your dog's cheek, mate. You get, you've got out and, like, actually experienced it in the field, right, working, yeah. working on properties. Yeah. What, 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 what is it about you, the dog, the stock? What's, what's the special? The, the, well, well, just that working relationship, being able to, and I've missed that, having, having, having a dog with you that, 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 that you work with and you rely on and, and you trust them, and, um, and 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 you do amazing things together, and you create product together as a team, and you grow together and evolve together, and and building a dog, it's like building a building, you know. Yeah. To me, it's uh, you know, it takes a lot of effort and is incredibly rewarding, um, and all the yards and effort you put into it, it I, I love every second being out there, not only with my own, just or with my with my sheep at home, but. But working and mustering and doing a bit of um, putting through the yards. My wife's got a family farm, uh, Garima, and they um, they they run. Uh, the neighbour there runs thousands of sheep, and we go up and help him with um, um, rounding them up and yep. and uh, shearing a bit and whatever. Yeah, and, and, and you got your own shearing stand at home now. Uh, <laughs> Shearing stand, butchering You're knocking the yeah. wool off them still, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bit of wool, bit of skin. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um. So, how do you go leaving? How am I going to wear this? I don't mean to sound rude no, or I anything, but how do you handle? Like, obviously, you love control on a dog. You love having those buttons on a dog and all the yeah, rest. Yeah, yeah. How do you go then letting a dog make its own choice on stock? Yeah, like leaving some of not the natural is probably not the right word, but yeah, yeah, leaving yeah, that yeah, in yeah. there, like the in, uh, command versus yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's interesting. So, so when I first started working with the sheepdog, lots of control, over yeah. control, <laughs> controlling the hell out of them. Come yeah, over here, move over there, stop over here, come over here. Yeah, and and that was one of the biggest things that I've really learned a lot, um, uh, especially of recent is. And uh, you know that that's really helped me with that yep. actually a lot is uh, is understanding. Uh, well, obviously I don't understand it completely uh, even close to yet, but um, uh, trying to find that balance of being able to. And I have backed off a lot with the commander trying to even the way I've trained a pup from the start. The first time I trained a pup was just all about controlling the yep. hell out of them, and then well, now now we're a lot more laid back about it, and <laughs> letting them. You know, as long as there's Make no, you know, dirty biting and you know, yep. or, or no, 
you know, um, getting too much out of control. Uh, uh, yeah, lots of letting them work their instinct and not trying to tell them to walk up on the sheep and look at them, but rather creating a circumstance where they do it automatically. Yeah. You know, like I've found lots of different methods um, which I've discovered. I bounce them off Dan all the time. I'm like, what do you think about, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, so I've found like using gateways and stuff to once the dog knows you've got to push them through the gate. So to develop a bit of eye on the on you know on the yep. cover you know and and things like that without teaching the dog move around here move around there yep. you're going to cover him and grabbing the sh you know or, or getting the sheep to try and break out you know so the dog can keep cover yep. stuff like that um, yep. rather than commanding them yeah definitely uh um, yeah I've, and do you think that's then changed the way you um look at like not a, like a pet dog and some of the people that come to your sessions has that changed or not at all not so much in that yep. regard because their dogs are completely out yep. of control yeah <laughs> they, yep. they need control they at need, that point yep. yeah so i'll yep. say all the time to our clients here go i'm a bit of a hypocrite i don't have that much control on my own you think my dogs are highly trained but they're actually not they, they, see, they're just but compliant when, but when you but, have a, a dog that molds to you and that yeah. you've taught them to mirror you then you don't need to put that much control over them Correct. because they're too busy trying to do what you want anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what I yeah. said. Like we, we can ask them for control here, but when we go and stop, I, I don't want all that control anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and those basic uh, principles of control are still the same. Uh, yeah, but but where I've also also something that 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 we've also really um, and the obedience and the training side has definitely helped me a lot with the sheep stuff. But maybe being my saving grace. You know that, that stopped the chaos like you said at the <laughs> trial that the stop i have you know the the the, the stop command or whatever like that yeah. things like that really saved me oh yeah yeah your brakes you just wild dogs. yeah but they, no, they're not the wild man. they work pretty well but you yeah, know the drop i could see smoke coming off their feet when he asked them to be on on the other side as soon as they got around their sheep yeah yeah and but, I, there was a lot of stockmen impressed with that too don't worry about that but, that, but the obedience side of things has helped me definitely you know with the sheep stuff but really like you said trying to find that balance and trying to back my practice off yep. and control, you know, yep. and let them, but also with protection work, you're using a lot of instinct as well. So you start off with training them to, to work, but then once they've got a con basic concept going, you want to let the instinct take over. You want to, if you're doing searching a paddock, let's say, if you're sending a dog under tree cover, let's say into a big, you know, a paddock that's covered in tree cover, you can't send flares up, you can't see there's yep. someone, you know, there's someone out there that's up to no good, you need to send out to find a dog to find them. You, the way you train a dog to do that is not on, you, you train them to, to, to attack on command, but you then I teach them how to scan, how to search a field, and that that you teach them, they, well, they teach themselves. You create the circumstance and, and they learn it by... Oh shit! I'm not putting my foot in there because I'm going to have. Do you want? Well, I'm basically saying something general, but I'm going to detail about it. Otherwise, it just sounds, you know. But it's a whole conversation. But basically, you you teach them how to how to how to how to 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 cast out to a sleeve and bite. Yeah. And then 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 you'd go then you'd set up mock scenarios where you you show them the decoy, the person, and then they run out to the bush and hide, and the dog's got to find them. So you're teaching them to hunt teach them to hunt and I've got to learn to use their nose because I've got to learn to hunt to, to find um, a, a, a scent trail on the wind mainly mm -hmm. because you're going to send them because a lot of the time when you're using dogs like that you're sending them um, you send them into the into the wind to well to find it well directly into the wind really to find a scent um, and you might come from a few different angles you know you know whether wind's blowing either sideways or at you and you'd be sending the dog into the wind to the sense blowing at you and 
And so you'll see them running and zigzagging first through their nose in the air once they figure it out and then they beeline towards it. But a lot of that training is on, um, is really them figuring it out rather than you create the circumstances and they, and obviously if they don't find the decoy, then he, he might run out and go, ah, you know, and, yeah. and create a lot of noise and the dog goes, ah, there he is, you know, find him. And after a few times like that, he'll start to go, okay, he is out there and they start to trust that there yeah. is something out there and they've got to try and find it and then they start to keep their senses in and, they go off their instinct. There's quite a bit of um, instinct once you pass your basic stuff with the dog, yeah. the foundation with them. There is a lot of that. But but um, but because I've been doing obedience training and behavioural stuff, a lot of control, control, control for quite a quite a few years now. It has been quite an adjustment to to back off them and um, it, you know and where that was really highlighted was not so much on my own property with my trainer sheet. Yeah. But. On a on a on a on, on a big property with thousands of runny sheep that have never made any contact with any yeah. dog or human, and they're terrified and feral. And I'm telling my dog go around that way, yeah. and he's he, and and he's just getting confused because he's got his own ideas and he thinks he knows. And he's probably better. It, well, he did, did know better than I did. And <laughs> I was trying to tell him to do something that he shouldn't be doing. I'm yeah, like, no, go around that way. And he's like, no, no, this, they're, they're all going there. Yeah, like, no, 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 this way. And, and he was right, yeah. <laughs> he was completely wrong. But, um, but I started to trust the dogs a lot more also in that way when they proved me, when, when, well, when I realised that my command was not working, yeah. you know, it works on 40 sheep, yeah. but not on 2,000, right? And, there's, uh, and, and I just basically cooked them in two days, you know, each step for, you know, the first, second day, just, just cooked them. They just got... You know, cooked in the head and couldn't couldn't think straight. They were too busy trying to listen to me, trying to figure out what they needed to do. And I realised I wasn't getting anywhere. And then I just kind of got what really happened out of a bit of frustration. I was just like, just just do your thing, then, you know, and let yeah. them do their thing. And they performed beautifully. And I was yeah. like, okay, all right, do your thing, <laughs> do your thing. Yeah. And I started to get a bit more kind of trusting, you know, yeah, in that, in that way as well. But it's a balance, I guess, because. Yeah, you got to know when, when they're doing it, you know, instinctively and doing what you want them to do and when to put that input in. And Yeah. yeah. And, and we mentioned there um, that about a trial the other day and you have competed a couple of trials now. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> quite enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. Talk us through that. How, what, what's the – you got a bit of a hook there now, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, yeah. and what's, what's that about? What's what's hooked you and what do you want to achieve? Oh, I'm very competitive by nature naturally yeah. and um and i like to find things that i'm uh well not very good at and improve at them and yep. uh, especially things that i'm passionate about and um uh, there's a few different attractions to the trials uh, number one is the competition another thing is uh the uh, the people at the trials um they're all pretty you know very knowledgeable and um real nice people too and it's it's i found a bit of a culture there you know, with I don't really know anyone. You know, I've met a couple of people, got a few friendly faces that I've met so far. But um, but you can see it's quite a camaraderie. You know, it's people uh, help each other out. It's not like people are trying to trash each other and put yeah. each other down. But they're all actually really boosting each other and um, helping each other grow. And and you know, even the tips. You know, and even the tip from the judge. Oh, that was one of the most. Uh, you know, something that was super helpful for me. And Dan was kept calling that out to me and telling me, hey, turn, turn and face that. And then the, the judge there, he was like, he, he, I don't know, when he said it, yeah. he was like, just turn that way 
And I said, yes, yes, and didn't really know what he was saying. And then <laughs> um, the second time he said it, it hit home. I was like, oh, that's that what makes you're sense. saying. <laughs> I get you now. Yeah. And then I followed his instruction and the sheet just went and just flowed. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. you're right. Should I'll, I'll do that. I'll should I do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I've been practicing that at home as well, you know, yeah. taking that on board. And, and you know, but it's, it's a, it's a very nice um, culture and there's so much to grow. And also to see all the different people and they've all got a different method. They've all got different ideas. I mean, it's interesting to see that they're all actually people, the, the regulars, I guess, um, have analysed people and everything. Yeah. You yeah. Know, can't help it. But, <laughs> uh, but you can see the ones that are like mates and uh, uh, work together because they have a similar mannerism about them or the people that compete quite often or have been doing it for years or work together, they yeah. all kind of rub off on each other and you can see kind of even the way that, you know, that I hear you calling your dog and you go, mo, 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 yeah. you know, and, and I hear other people the same thing yeah. not with their dog's name, you know, and that, uh, 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 even the, even the tone yeah. is similar, you know, and, and uh, it, it's pretty interesting how everyone rubs off on each other yeah. and everyone learns, but everyone's also got their own unique way of, training and it's real interesting and uh, uh, a lot to learn, you know, to observe it. I love learning, you know, I'm, I, I drink data. I love it to me. <laughs> I find someone who I can, you know. And, and what would you yeah. like to accomplish? Uh, what would I like to accomplish? Yeah. Um, and also we're talking about yard trolling at the moment. Well, I would like to um, get, get get a lot better at it and to, to improve my skills for a number of different reasons. Um, number one, I want to be, well, I like, I, I like to do a good job. And yeah. I don't like, I like to, you know, to, to, to perfect, you know, and to try and, um, uh, for my own self as well. Um, and also it's a bit of a little competition for me in my head to see if I can, you know, get up there, you know, with yeah. the boys and see if I can, you know, um, make something of myself in that area. Yeah. Um, I've worked quite hard in my industry to, to build quite a, a good name for myself well, and wonderful reputation and, right, for what and you do. I'd like to, you know, at some point, you know, learn enough. That's not my aim. It's not the reputation. I don't care about that yeah. so much as much as I do care about just being a better, um, um, better dog handler and um, in, in that area. And, and also one day um, soon, well, we want to run stock. So we want to, we've got 40 sheep, but that's not, that just play, play yeah. sheep. I'd like to get into it for, for real with cattle, sheep, and that's my wife. My wife grew up on a cattle station as well, and she, her dream is just to, you know, to live that lifestyle, and, and I do too. I'd love that, and for the kids as well. And um, so just, you know, if I learn stock better and I can, you know, and it makes life easier for everyone, for stock, for the dogs, for myself, and, and uh, yeah. And also the competitive side, that's definitely a big factor. <laughs> you know, maybe, uh, yeah. that, that's beautiful, man. Actually looking at doing it for to better your family, right, and yeah. for what you want to do. And, and speaking of um, young fella, I, I, we don't have to ask about things rubbing down the family tree there, mate. Yeah. The young fella was at that trial the other day as well. Oh, yes, um, yes. And a lot of people have seen that on social media now. Um, yeah. How, yeah, how yeah. proud of a moment was that for yourself, oh, mate? so proud of him. Oh, oh, he was... And, and how scared he was before he went in, um, he was just absolutely terrified. We made an, an agreement. We shook on it the day before. He's 10. Yeah. And he loves driving everything, cars, motorbikes, mowers, yep. but anything that he can get in and drive, he wants to drive. <laughs> yeah. So he, he wanted to mow the paddocks and 
with the with the rider mower. Yeah, it's good, eh? You tell them, oh, hey, you want to mow the paddock? Yeah, go for, for it. it. <laughs> work for it. No, they convert it so that he, that he loves it, right? Yeah, yeah you got later a psychology, right? <laughs> but. Uh, so, so he, he said, I'm going to ride the ride on my And I said, I don't want you bloody burning petrol for no reason. Yeah. You know, petrol's not cheap these days. And I don't want you to drive around or burn out to the paddock with a ride on my You know, you, you can, if you want to, I said, if you want to ride it, I said, you're coming to the trial tomorrow? And he said, nah, I'm a bit nervous. I said, well, well, you can't ride the ride on my then. Yeah. I said, you can only ride the ride on my if you come to the trial tomorrow. <laughs> right. So I'll let you burn all as much fuel as you want on that mower as long as you come to that trial. And he didn't, said, didn't mention about cutting natural grass. Yeah, yeah. No, he, did, he did cut. Yeah, yeah but you didn't say that. You didn't no, mean it, baby. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's not favour for me. Favour for me was him coming to the, yeah. to the trial. But uh, he he ended up, um, so we shook on it. And then the next day he tried to bail on me. Uh-huh. And he said, just as we are there, he was like, no, I'm too scared. I'm not doing it. I said, you're doing it. You're getting in there whether you like. We shook on it. You're doing it whether you like it or not. You're not bailing on me. You're not bailing on your word. So you, you, you're getting in there and you're doing it. And he was so scared and he ended up um, confronting his fear yeah. and pushing past. And that was really – even the fact that he works, she, you know, that he's got his dog and she's amazing with him and he's got such an amazing relationship with her and, you know, and I was super proud of that and him opening those gates and closing them and, you know, doing yeah. his best, you know, and he did an amazing job, you know. I was super proud of him and I love the fact that he's – he's passionate about it and wants to get into it and he's got his own dog and he handles her and yeah. her every day and you know and he loves it but the fact that the biggest thing that made me proud was the fact that he confronted his fear and that he was afraid to do it and he did it anyway yeah and and and, and after that you should know um he's busting to go come to another trial too that's so, awesome so he, he wants yeah. to get into this big time as well yeah and so we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna grow together. Yeah. So, no, that's awesome. Yeah. No, that's been when you copy when you copy definitely got some uh, merit behind it there and grown a lot over the last twelve months. So oh, watch yeah, out for Finley. Yeah, got yeah. a couple of dogs coming through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we'll get there. Don't want to talk too soon. Pride comes before fall. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you're doing great, mate. Doing great, mate. Really appreciate your time tonight. Um, been a, no, no, that's cool. Yeah, mate. There's been a couple of questions there. Was there one that stood out to you there? Um, one you answered in real depth. Yeah. Um, and I'll win a bag of enduro high-end food for with real kangaroo, mate. High-end food for working dogs. High-end food for working dogs with real kangaroo, mate. Yeah. I missed that little bit down there, didn't I? Say it every week and you I still can't get it right. Oh, we will get there. Thank you, enduro. <laughs> uh, um, I can't remember what the questions were. There was oh, a, about, about the reactivity, the breeding, and, and the other one was breed. There was a couple of others we didn't get to because we were going so much depth about the ones we did. Oh, I, I, I did like a question about the dog reactivity, yep. I guess. Um, that was probably the one I'm yeah. yeah. most, most excited about. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, they were all great questions. No, um, that, that was cool. That was yeah. uh, Donna Lindley. So um, we'll get in contact with Donna and um, get those details in the bag of Enduro off her. No worries. Um, Bear, thanks heaps for getting on tonight, mate. No worries. Thanks for having me. No, really appreciate it. Um, thanks to all our listeners there tonight. Actually, fire off your – but you're not going to wait that easy, yeah. mate. There's still one, one more question. One. Yeah. Would you rather fight one duck the size of a horse or 20 horses the size of ducks and why? Ooh, well, that's a good – one duck the size of a horse yeah. or 20 horses, horses the size, size of, it. of ducks. Would I rather fight them? Yeah. yeah. You'll take them on. Which one are you taking? The 20 or the one? 
Oh, I'd, I'd take the. Oh, well, it depends on their tendency. Is it going to act like a massive duck or is it going to act like a, you know, because ducks aren't really that scary. Yeah. Like, kind of I don't know duck, about that. Know, you know, I mean, you know, I throw a rope around its head, you know, yeah. try to control its attack. I can't imagine a duck. I guess I'd rather fight 20 horses the size of ducks because they're, much, nah, they're much smaller and easier. I just catch them all. Like, <laughs> imagine, I'm just thinking about if I'm fighting 20 ducks or fighting a horse. Yeah. You know, I think I'd rather fight 20 ducks. And I'm imagining, I was just imagining me fighting that massive duck. And I was thinking, he's got massive wings. And if he's anything like a goose and he decides to bash me with those wings, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. You know, knew, at least a horse hasn't got massive wings to bash you with. You know? I knew that a lot of thought would go into that. <laughs> 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 Mate, uh, thanks again for having for being on tonight. No um, all our listeners there, thanks for, uh, for getting on tonight um, and everyone listening back to it. And please remember, we learn every day, and the day we stop learning will be a sad one for all. Thank you. Today, put the shotgun in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>